They say every horror movie is a comedy, but can a comedy special be a horror movie? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guests and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact checking and corrections are encouraged. This episode is brought to you by Funwise Capital. Funwise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals. Connect with Funwise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Get money. apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business Get money. That's what I should have said. Get money. apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Is everybody ready for the minddog? It's Sunday night. Yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. Sunday night. Yes, Sunday night. What am I doing here on a Sunday night? Well, it's all Jay White Kitens' fault. Um, busy weekend, gigging a lot. Um, not my favorite time of year because no matter what kind of gig it is, uh, people are always. <laughs> Requesting stupid songs like Monster Mash. Um, and we'd play them. And so we played Monster Mash three times this weekend. We played Spooky three times this weekend. Uh, hey there, Little Red Riding Hood. I got drunk last night. I don't usually even drink on gigs, but I got drunk last night. I think Halloween had some, the, the time of year had something to do with it. Also, I just... I was going to have one drink, and the first drink was very strong. And then they fed us, and we sat down. We took a break, which we don't normally do, and they fed us, and they brought over another very strong drink. And before you know it, I was getting a little loopy. And then somebody said, play Monster Mash. <laughs> and so um, so it's Sunday night, a little hungover. Yes, even a, a, a whole day later, a little hungover. But excited about this program tonight. Uh, Jay Whitecotton is with me tonight. And it's something I've been looking forward to for a couple of years now. Uh, you know, and usually, I have to say this, usually like on the evening program, I have a lot of authors and stuff like that, comedians generally in the morning. And I almost never do any not even the slightest research on comedians. I know there's stuff. That's why I invite them to be on the program. Uh, but I got in the habit of doing it. And I said, you know what? I might as well just look up. And I, it's uh, fortunate for me that I did 
just a tiny little bit of research, Andre, because I was going to bust his balls a little bit uh, opening up and saying uh, how I think he steals a lot of his material from from me Uh, (laughs) just because I know he's a very original comedian. And I was just going to bust his balls a little bit. And I was going to say predict that he's going to say, well, he's never seen my act because that's what they all say. All these comedians who come on who are all doing my material, by the way, cash and checks uh, that should be made out to me. They all say, well, I never saw you, you You perform. How could I steal your stuff? I don't, I never even seen you. It's just typical. And then I read an article, but <laughs> somebody actually accused Jay of that uh, several years ago. So it's kind of funny. Anyway, he's here tonight to talk about a new special that he's releasing, I believe, tomorrow, not a week from tomorrow, which is Halloween. But it is a, you know how I say Comedy special is an overused term now because there are so many of them. You can go on Netflix and there are 9,000 specials and there's nothing special about them. Well, this is a special, special because it is um, specially themed, almost like a horror movie. He's here now. Please open your ears, open your mind, and help me welcome in White Cotton to the My Dogs TV podcast. <laughs> who accused who me of stealing? <laughs> I think I know it's, I think I know it's what you're, uh, listen, uh, I should tell you in advance, uh, what you read, was it, okay, so a while back ago, Conan O'Brien's uh, staff was accused of stealing this guy's tweets, uh, this guy was really mad, he was like writing basic bitch stuff, and uh, he got really upset. And so he, uh, Conan wrote this long thing, or he wrote this long thing. I, yeah, Conan O'Brien wrote this long thing. So I just took it word for word, stole it, but replaced Conan's <laughs> name with my name addressing the stolen thing. And this is like the third time it's bitten in the ass. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought everybody would get it, but turns out nobody gave a shit about who stole what from the late night with Conan O'Brien, much less a tweet, and we take entertainment. Well, I thought what, what got me a little bit weird was we was talking about my staff of writers. I was like, Jay doesn't have a staff of writers. What the hell is this shit about? Yeah, man, I, I just think most of... Uh, I find myself alone in this world. So it's nice to hear that I'm stealing uh, the inside of your thoughts yeah. and mind uh, because I, I kind of been on this kick about trying to talk more openly about things because uh, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who, who, who don't, but act like everything they say is yeah. true and it's getting annoying. Huh. Like I don't lying to the <laughs> audience. That's what it's for. We're entertainers. We're pieces of shit. Uh, but if you're an entertainer and I'm an entertainer, we should talk to each other on the scam that we're doing on the right. general public. I get it. We're in the face. Like, like I didn't know that you were a musician until we you started talking about the gigs you were playing. Brother, if you want to talk Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, <laughs> I'm going to talk Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. I love Little Red Oh, Red really? Red. Cool. Yeah, no, uh, I love that music. I definitely love um, this, the early rock and roll stuff. I, I'm a traditionalist with that kind of stuff, and I like the original versions yeah, of all that stuff. I don't like when – like we were uh, – the other day I was researching uh, uh, 50s, early 50s, like the earliest rock and roll songs, and came across Shaboom, and I, for my whole mm-hmm. life, I was uh, listening to the crew cuts version, not the chords version. I was like, man, this is the shit. The chords is the shit. And so, yeah. If you you want to talk about like uh, a backstory of pain and suffering and and truly screwed up events, uh, go to Wikipedia and look up the coasters. 
famous doo-wop group, The Coasters. The the, the behind the music, there, there needs to be a movie. It involves, I think, incest, murder, beheading or something. It is fantastic. All set to doo-wop. To me, that's funnier than anything I've ever heard a stand-up right. comedian say. I don't know why. Just the contrast. It's Maybe it's because I'm a Scorsese fan. I just, the, I like it. I, I, I need doo-wop. The beheadings is news to me. Uh, I have to admit that I want to... <laughs> I can be pulling that out of my ass. I don't, I don't retain a lot of information. I just get the gist and move on because who needs to know about the coasters intimate well, I, I, details? Beheadings, I definitely need to know about. I will look that up though tomorrow. <laughs> I guarantee you, I will be all over Wikipedia and uh, and googling uh, the coasters and find out the backstory. Maybe you're onto something here. Um, the the special you're going to come out with tomorrow, right? It's tomorrow. Well, uh, we're praying for a Diwali miracle. I'm doing the audio tonight because uh, this this whole thing's a shit show. I, I don't I don't want to lie to anybody, uh, but I don't have any money, <laughs> and I've never had any money. But I, I don't think that should stop me from producing content that the industry tells me I have to produce at all times, or else I'm irrelevant. No, I, I get that, and yeah, I don't let not having money stop you. But uh, so, what do you, what do you, <laughs> what are you doing? Because I, I previewed it. Now I, I know there there were rules, no spoilers or any of that kind of stuff. But I previewed it. What what are you doing to the? You're redoing the audio from it. Well. Okay, so the debate is, uh, I wanted to, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I genuinely think this is what entertainment is now. It's not, it's, no one's going to watch the special, but more people are going to watch us talking about the details of the special so they can implant themselves because we're all equal with the audience on <laughs> yes. the platforms. Yes, I agree. Uh, I'm fine with that. I don't have like, I don't like cast systems in entertainment. I think it's annoying. So essentially, I have a creative dilemma. I'm doing something a little dystopian. Uh, we were debating which direction to go to. I, I didn't want to tell the audience specifically, but it is set. I, I recorded a special the month before COVID hit. Uh, I got super sick. And then in quarantine, I went through so many fucked up experiences. I, I, I got I, uh, the first day of quarantine. I found a dead body behind my apartments. Uh, I got a, a, a never guy got in an accident and hit my truck and the truck car flipped and I had to hold guys brains in his fucking skull. Uh, I got in two fights with packs of coyotes and the, the breakup I thought was the funniest. So I, I went with that. Uh, and uh, the, the creative problem is that audio wise, the, the core kept going in and out on the main line and to make it sound dystopian, I want to use some of the camera to kind of give you that vintage feel, because I'm playing around with um, how we approach media. Like if we're working with no money and, uh, and a lo-fi attitude, like I, I like lo-fi music. Uh, ASMR, I think, fits in the lo-fi category. Uh, there's a, um, a uniqueness, like um, uh, when you hear a VHS crackle when you're watching it in the warble, that distance between you and the muffledness of the singer, it's not crisp and clear, like you hear everything. I think that conic takes a different feel. And when you're editing, you've got to apply to that feel. But if I'm going with a direct line that's a little more crisper, it, you're playing with two different worlds, and I don't want to fuck up the experience for the watcher, even though the whole thing's a giant get piece it, of shit. Get it. Uh, so it's a unique kind of project, though. And I think you would agree that uh, there are so many specials 
out there that there is no such thing. There's no reason to call a comedy special a special unless it takes a different approach like yours is doing. So yours is actually a real comedy <laughs> special in a world where of of non-comedy specials, just comedy shows. Yeah, I, I call it a comedy special because they won't let me say retarded. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can say it all day long on this program. I say it. Oh, oh I'm very good at it. It's like it's like I was born to say it. Me. It's like that and one word. I'm like amazing at it. I don't like it. It's just. Yeah, so, uh, but now I don't want to give give anything away, but you, you say. Oh, no, like, yeah, you say before COVID, though, but some of the jokes are kind of COVID related, right? Oh, it's all COVID. Like I thought, okay, in the process of dealing with life and and funerals and uh, betrayal and uh, uh, homelessness, uh, I kind of took my time editing this because I didn't want to, I didn't want, I got annoyed by everyone's response to COVID. Like uh, everybody was like the opportunists that were racing. It it, it was like a a race between realtors and Desperate open micers on Zoom demanding everyone to give them attention so that they can profit. I just found it disgusting and uh, pathetic and sad, and it made me not want to be associated with the thing that I love. So I just figured I'd take my time and let everybody release their special burning all their COVID material so I could make sure not to kind of repeat it and sound yeah. like them. And uh, create. Uh, t- I like to take my time, wait till everybody says their piece, and then find an angle that I think would interest myself as well as someone else, maybe 12 cool. other people. Uh, uh, and, uh, so I waited, for I you. waited. Um, now, yeah, and, and it's uh, interesting because I was into podcasting be- long before COVID hit, but then COVID hit, and then there were like 900,000 new podcasters the next day, <laughs> the minute after lockdown hit. And then, it, so it, it, I, yeah. I, I relate yeah. to what you're saying there. It's just like, yeah, everybody's on there. I, I felt like going away. I felt like stopping at that point. It was just like too too much. And it still is. Um, it's the natural order. I, I, I genuinely believe it's the natural order of how human beings approach most things beginning in the 20th century. Uh, the, the, the conversations I've been exploring with artists lately has been, guys, are, are we, we're in the 21st century. This is a different mindset, but we're still operating on 20th century value system that doesn't correlate to this 21st century value system. Uh, I don't want to judge or make anyone feel less, but my values view the way media and entertainment and, uh, acts as a very, sh- it's, it's, it seems more shallow than it was before. Yeah. Like, uh, I know you interviewed Paul McCartney and I thought that was incredible. I got, I think he might be the devil. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm obsessed with, uh, his creative mindset because like, I think he was the most creative beetle, but I don't think he was the most talented beetle. So I think there's like a mindset to the aesthetic that some people tap into and they can, see what's next they can kind of uh they have a little bit better foresight of where to swing creatively against the current where everybody else kind of goes and some sometimes those kind of talents they don't have good taste so i got obsessed with that and i kind of think that everything's a little more shallow it's a little more visual obsessed since we're pushing more content you're having things be more about getting attention and screaming and creating conflict, uh, it it operates to me uh, in all mediums. You see this in sports entertainment. You see it uh, in the news. You see it in wrestling. You see it in music. 
it's nobody cares about the product anymore because it's just content. They care about you posting that you did something so that people can congratulate you and give you your digital button saying, well done. Here's your blue check mark. You're yeah, yeah. Uh, the blue check mark stuff it, it it gets me because the most of the people I know who have blue check marks they are kind of anti-establishment people. It's like well, if you're anti-establishment, what are you doing with that blue fucking check mark next to your name? Because that's just saying, please accept me into the establishment. <laughs> it's silly. It's just silly. You you guys look like dipshits. I I don't know how else to say it. It's just I, goofy and corny, and we. We, we need validation so much because we don't really, society-wise, doesn't really have a purpose. We found out everyone was not essential unless you had the shittiest job or the greatest yeah. job. Everyone else in between has been doing a bunch of bullshit because all the stuff that does anything has been outsourced beyond China. Now it's like in Malaysia. There's, we found poor people to take jobs away from Chinese people. It's <laughs> The country's fucked. The world's fucked. I can't wait for winter when the supply chain breaks down and all the borders flood with uh, you, You're rooting on dystopia. I get it. Uh, it's my trilogy of my stand-up specials. The first one was pre-COVID. Second one is during COVID. And uh, um, uh, the next one, I guess, is the end of the world. Yeah, yeah well, the, the thing is now, uh, Lorena Bob- Bobic, whatever her name is, she was out uh campaigning a couple of days ago and she gave me a speech about we are are at the end of end end of the end of days and i was like if you really believe this is the end time and the end of days what difference does it make if you run why even run for office why not just for me just max out the credit cards let's get to fucking let's get this party in if you honestly believe this is the end of the day what are you even trying for what's the reason to- <laughs> honestly man honestly if lorena bobby can cut taxes the way she cuts dicks <laughs> i'll give her a vote. i'll give her a vote you know what's more that, feminist than that, that lorena yeah? bobbert is it? no bobert Bobert, Lauren Bobert, whatever. I have to say Lorena Bobert. Did I say Lorena Bobert? Excuse me, folks. The Hooters waitress? That fucking bitch with the gun no, at Hooters? That was the end of days for me. No doubt about it. Lorena Bobert. This is pageantry. I, I got, I'm so tired of talking about politics with people who think it's not a production. Like, you watch a debate, there's televisions, there's makeup. They go to acting schools to learn how to speak in public. It's a very unnatural thing to be pretending to be natural, and I find it silly. Why can't we just say, "Oh, I uh, this is I uh, I'm a stuttering idiot. And I'm really old, but this is the best the Democratic Party can do." Next to the raging other idiot who's just demonstrably worse than I am at hiding yeah, how bad exactly. we are. Exactly. And I think, you know, just get old people out of it. And I say that as an old person. I know that, mm, yeah, you know. You, <laughs> You're still alive. You still got a beating heart. I've seen your forearms in your intro <laughs> video. You take care of yourself. Don't act like get rid of the old. You're still yeah, hanging but, on. <laughs> maybe all that's true, but I have my senior moments where I can't remember my own name. And I know that everybody my age goes through that. It's, I'm not alone in that. So once you turn 60 or 65, whatever the number is, 
give up. Get out of politics. Let the young people lead the way. You might have some good ideas. You might- fuck no. no, 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 no. Fuck all that. No, fuck, fuck age, first of all. You're not old until you give up on uh, stop. When you refuse to accept new ideas, that's okay, when you're I old. That. It's as simple that. as that. And this whole framework of young versus old, to me, that's just more 20th century shit. You have your fucking skiffle guitarists and their popped little collars playing Elvis, judging the old people. And like, if you're over 30, you're fucking stupid and dumb. All that shit is just your mind polluted by fucking Ken Casey and the same fucking bullshit from the 20th century and the beats. You have a fucking responsibility. Ben Franklin was older than all the founding fathers. The only reason he wasn't present is just like, that shit's stupid. Fuck the bald eagle. Let's just support the turkey because that's what this country should. And he was really getting laid a lot. He got laid a lot, Ben. Supposedly, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think uh, he got laid a little bit, but he knew how to play it because he was the first PR guy. He knew how to play everyone against. Interesting. Everything. I never thought of that. That's you could be onto something there too. I have to look into that, Ben's. What, you're telling me that you can't believe that the people that created print media in America would distort things? Yeah, but I think he had, he had a bit of a reputation in Paris, too, before, before uh, who knows, maybe you're right. Uh, I don't know. You got me, you got me questioning my whole, entire existence, my whole belief system here. Uh, <laughs> Good. I don't have answers. I just have questions. And I'm interested in everyone's perspective because I feel like uh, we need to learn how to uh, collaborate a little bit more in discourse. I, I find if, like this podcast, I'm enjoying myself uh, because we're talking openly, but there's this, uh, I don't like podcasts because to me it's been taken over by, I, 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 let me separate this. Okay. Uh, from the vibe I get from you, uh, you put on a professional facade, you've done your training, you, you, you you're a radio guy and you approach this you're looking at me like I'm about no, to No, no, no. I'm, I'm interested. I'm looking at you like I'm interested in what you're saying. That's my okay. you're, you're, you, you treat your podcast in every way like it's an actual show, and you dedicate your voice to it and your perspective to acting like this is a show. So you, you agree to the format, but you're also a creative, and you bring that as, like, a, the other part of you. So I feel like we can – have an honest conversation. I appreciate about that. Yeah, I'm trying to learn. Uh, I'm all. This it's just about you know people think because I I've had one comedian on here who told me I just like to hear myself talk. I like to actually li- I like who? to listen. Who? Who? Uh, who? Name. Uh, I'm trying to Name think. That Tra- Travis Lipsky. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Right. Travis. <laughs> Travis. Stop projecting. <laughs> no, to, to, to be honest with you, the episode I had him on, he did all the talking. I, I mean, for an hour show, I might have gotten two minutes. Yeah, of- that's that's a comedian's trick. Yeah, you just like to talk all the time as I talk yeah, all over right. you. It's, uh, it's 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 pride in your stupid anxiety. And yeah, boring. but I, I am at, at heart a comedian wannabe. Even you know, yesterday I did two shows. And both of them, I would just like would rather be telling jokes in between the songs than actually playing the songs, especially when when it's like uh, cover band stuff and they're just re- requesting like Halloween songs. It's just like, man, how many? How- <laughs> oh, man. You just, I, I think I used to do I used to I used to do all that. Uh, I didn't do cover bands because I had a soul and I refused to do that. Uh, and also, I can't I don't have that skill set to be able to lock in that way. Uh 
but I, I do remember that when it, when you're in those environments and you're doing covers and you, your facade, you just gotta just not yeah. give a shit and just make it fun for you and make yourself have a good time because no one's there for comedy. Right. They're there for deep purple hush <laughs> and the spookier version of spooky and three different versions of I put a spell on you. Uh, not just screaming Jay Hawkins, like that's going to blow out the lead singer's voice and you still got to pull off uh, a Steve Miller fly like an eagle because apparently the synth makes that kind of yeah. scary. That period in the late seventies. <laughs> uh, where am I going? Uh, what I'm going is I don't like podcasts. Right. Mostly because I find them to be a distraction and a way for comedians to not work on their sets, but to dick around and feel like they're doing something because it's, it's like simulating the work and all they're doing is creating personality. But you know, there's a craft that goes into this uh, supposedly. Uh, But I I feel like that's kind of going away as we turn more into an attention economy and push people to become more personality-based. Your love for the craft is pretty apparent. I mean, I read, you'd be surprised what I, you uh, wrote some article on the rules of of growing your audience or something that growing a scene and all that. No, no, it's it's not rules. Uh, I don't have rules. I'm not a fucking... Uh, I have I have uh, guidelines for myself, but like I, I uh, like to break a, a, a rough I personal I, a rough personal guide to alt shows and scene building and stand up comedy, but just some helpful <laughs> hints, like hey, get your mind right. Like it surprises me how many scenes I go to where it, it's here's my fucking problem with all entertainment, and I'll specifically say comedy, because, but a lot of the shit falls into this. Is that when when you're starting out. And you want to develop a mic or something like that. You used to like, all right, you find a venue that's good for stand-up that people would want to go to and could focus on the stand-up. And then you get stand-ups that you like that would be good for people and you book them. Well, that used to be, and then you promote to an audience. Well, now they don't do that. They just get a place that has people, if, if you're lucky, and then they promote to the open micers because that's where the money is. So they're promoting people. It's karaoke. Yeah. It's the same thing. A karaoke host contacts 20 drunks to buy drinks and get their three minutes of shine doing who the fuck cares because it's about their three-minute moment. There's no build-up. There's no moment of music. It's, 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 it's a fucking virus. And the more it spreads, the more... It makes it lonelier to talk to people about jokes and craft, a thing that they don't do anymore because to it makes them feel exposed to be bad at this, a thing that takes 20 years for even the greatest to get good. Yeah, uh, do you think that uh, – I'm, I'm glad we're on this now. Do you think those uh, people who promote open mic stuff, are they doing it intentionally to keep uh, – keep their business model afloat like because it, it's not even though it's a success with open micers coming in it's never going to grow their their comedy well i'm talking about uh venue owners or promoters their business is not going to grow continually giving shitty content to people right and having them come in it's never going to grow no. it's never going to get any bigger than it is is it an intentional thing to say i want to keep it at this level or is it not it's just um, i'm greedy for greed in the moment <laughs> i'm hungry for tonight <laughs> you know what? I, I was going to avoid this question because I think it's ended some friendships. Uh, the, the reason, 
the before I recorded this thing, I just let I just let go. To be quite honest, I was just so fucking over the uh, the 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 hype, not just the hyperbole, but the the grandization. Like most things in comedy, don't fucking matter to anyone's lives. But uh, I I blame the bloggers first. When bloggers realized that some loser blogger who has no followers could just go to any stand up show and write about that comedian. And thousands of other dipshit loser open micers, myself included. I'm not out of this. This is my gang. I'm all. I have to take ownership with the people I'm with. Where we gleam onto these articles and we propel it and make the drama bigger than what it should be, which fucks over the business side of it. That we slowly let the industry deteriorate and destroy as we push more to platforms. Uh, we don't work for right. ourselves. We work for TikTok and Instagram. And if we bring them a lot of exposure, they might let us have a little bit more. It's This is a goofy thing to be right. proud of. Uh, the TikTok-Instagram thing has got me, and Facebook Reels and uh, YouTube Shorts now, got me a little concerned about culture and art and where we're going with this. Because you talk about the, these 21st century values. What we value is... 60 seconds or less and there can't be anything any you know nobody can deliver a home run or a really great um content art you can't do great art i'll say this man i'll say this because i'm trying to challenge myself because i feel the same way that you feel and uh uh, i want to be fair so i I do this every day to myself this it's a terrible way to live i don't suggest it but uh i'm i'm thinking that I agree with you. Oh, art and culture seems to be so devalued and shitty. But let's be honest, man. Art and culture has always been shitty because people have been involved. The greats stand out because it's a testimony of time and media. Uh, We're at a whole different stage of it. So because media has exploded, I think the averages are still fine. It's just because the monetary is in the image, the, the business of it, the entrepreneurship has taken over so much that it distorts the value of what's good and what's not good. And we often forget that the general public doesn't really like good shit. They don't want to be challenged. They're the ones carrying the fucking economy. They want stupid shit. They want McDonald's. They want chilies. And it's okay. Those things are all good and fine for what they are. When you're trying to do something a little harder and challenge them a little bit, we have to be fair. I think the averages are fine. There's still plenty of great things out there, but there's not one magazine called Rolling Stone telling you what's great that you can trust right. anymore. So you have to do the work and a thing nobody really yeah. wants to do. So out of fairness, I'll do a shout out right now. Uh, my buddy Billy Wayne Davis has a special that I believe in. I think it's really good. It's not out yet. I think he's trying to get it sold. I don't think anyone will buy it because it's really good. And it, he takes some chances with it. But if people go and find it and they watch it when he puts it out, they're going to go, man, this was this looked great. This was produced great. Um, He had a message. The ending looked well thought out and choreographed. Basically, the exact opposite of what everyone's going to say when they watch mine. (laughs) No, I thought, uh, well, I wouldn't say the complete opposite. I I, 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 thought. I don't. I don't want to take myself seriously. Yeah, I know that. But I previewing what what you had, uh, what I saw. Uh, I, I'm, maybe it's going to be different than the final release, which might be tomorrow or might be next week. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, 
I want to hear your point of view. Please just just rip it or tell no, me I what you thought. I thought it was thought. very original uh, and, and something that I think um, I'm happy to see about. I thought the, the the comedy part, the comedy part of it was was hysterical, and I laughed at every single one of the jokes. I thought the approach was good. Uh, I did think. Well, Maybe the the um and you kind of uh, validated my my thought on this is that you love lo-fi stuff and I thought uh, it was intentionally done that way and most and some people won't get it some people won't get that it's it's kind of intentionally look, made to look a little raw the the actual filming and and audio production part of it and I don't think you know it's from- it's yeah it's it's the hardest part about doing this because so many performers are just mirroring what they think is successful so you get i mean youtube is the one funneling it because a lot of people make these videos uh, on how to succeed and these are the ways you got to do it and these they're all fucking con men selling these ideas for clicks and, and the fact is uh, you got a lot of people doing paint by numbers when it comes to their jokes and also on how they present themselves. And because of that dissonance with reality that they're creating for themselves, uh, I'm doing all the right things. I have a podcast. I'm writing scripts. I have jokes. I perform all the time. But they're not ex- asking themselves, is any of that shit good? Is your energy? Do you actually have enough energy? Like, Mick Jagger could not do and sustain the career he had if he didn't dedicate himself to eating a certain way and doing yoga every day and a physical regimen that no other rock star could possibly pull off. Like we don't, we're not, we don't realize that our energy is very finite and we're at a point in time that creatives are being demanded to produce content to keep their name relevant in a medium where it's just a toilet flush of everyone's name spinning around. I don't know anyone who watches more than 10 minutes of any comedy yep. special. No well, one. I'm no always one. curious about people's, uh, if they're ever, cause ever really satisfied with the work they do. Cause I've never been, I've produced no exaggeration, o- over 1500 15, original yes. songs of my own and never been satisfied with one. And I just like, do, are other people ever satisfied? And you, you know, they're all satisfied because they don't have any values on the fucking work. They don't give a shit. To, it's a numbers game. You get enough what I can put. Here's the fun part. I, I, I can I can make a shitty comedy special interesting. I can put it out there and people will like it. Not a lot of them are going to watch right. it because they just can't. They got other things and I'm not famous enough. I'm not important enough to that they can attach themselves to. And I refuse to let that happen. I want there to be a wall up so that when we communicate, I can actually understand your point of view instead of blending it too much or domineering too much. Like, uh, I, I, communication is, is like a dying art form. And I feel so new to it because I, I never yeah. did it yeah. growing up, you know, and to me, I'm, I, I don't even know if I'm doing it now. I'm trying to. <laughs> well, I think you are. Um, now I got to ask the, cause I'm curious about Texas. Now, Texas has an image, and you personally have an image. And I know a lot of guys, uh, I know a lot of people from Texas, and none of them fit the image of the state of Texas, the collective, uh, what people think of when they get And you certainly don't portray, like, when I look at you, I would not think, well, that's Texas. And none, none, of, the, none of the guys well, I know. I do. Look, man, I do a pretty good job of hiding the accent. I will say that. I, I, I've done a, 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 
horrible, horrible Texas accent that comes out. And I try to hold it back because unlike a lot of other fake Southern acts pretending to use the South as a, oh, I'm progressive, but also Southern. Can you imagine? It's, it's, there's just so much bullshit. I, I'll tell you about Texas. Man, we're fucking gay. It sucks. <laughs> uh, we're weird. Uh, we get we get really upset when Arizona out Texas is us. Which is um, a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if Florida makes us feel and gives us an inferiority complex, it's a weird time to be a Texan. Look, I we're an arrogant state for sure. Uh, we're a groovy state for sure. Uh, Austin died in the 70s. Like every generation recreates it and then pretends like the next one fucked it up. But it's always been kind of shitty. I understand the cosmic cow- cowboy fucking imagery, and Willie Nelson was fun for a while, but grow well, up. Uh, like I, 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 I grew up in uh, between San Antonio and uh, Carissa Springs in West Texas. I understand ranch culture. Uh, I went to a private school on scholarship. I was a very poor kid. We hunted to eat, and I would go to this rich school surrounded by kids with thousands of dollars and cocaine in their wallets. Uh, I've never fit in my own state. I don't fit in school. I've just been an outsider. So, of course, I'm not going to come off as Texas, but I promise you, uh, if you say that fucking again, I'll find something. <laughs> I don't truck, man. I just, I don't give a shit. I don't take any, like, all that's just marketing, you know? People need identity, uh, and people are so focused on identity, whether I'm a Texan or I'm non-binary or I'm alt-right or alt-left and so many people are just fixated on labels and identity that they don't remember to have fucking character yeah no i agree i agree totally uh you know i i spent a lot of years out in texas well now six years around east uh eastern new mexico west texas and uh yeah yeah. Yeah, going between amarillo and lubbock and uh clovis new mexico a, a lot doing a lot of hitchhiking because and when i was there New Mexico was still a dry state, so to drink, we had to go 110 miles to either Amarillo or Lubbock. Yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time there. But I got a very a good – there were a lot, a lot of characters in Texas at that time. Uh, but the state has an image now of being like um, wanting to be its own country, wants to do its own thing, completely different. Yeah. Now? Yeah. Well, I know, I know it's been forever. We, we hang off like it, the McDonald's downtown San Antonio has an American flag and a Texas flag equal, and it's got a McDonald's flag, and they're all equal. They're all flying on the same banner. It's the Texas. If you want to know about Texas, uh, Texas is it's like any other state. There's a bunch of uh, you know all the greediest people in. Okay, you know what we're talking about opportunists. You know, uh, there's a lot to be said for the entrepreneurial spirit, and I'm not against entrepreneurialism everyone this is the world we live in making money and innovation those are all good things that i think are used to cover up obvious opportunists and frauds uh just like we were talking about covid uh i'm a zoom now i'm a podcast just give me attention or else i'll and we're all just like all right fuck i'll watch your stupid horrible thing that does nothing but remind me how awful the world is uh that same mentality you can go to England, and when they figure out that America, they're like, fuck, this place is amazing, and they conned a bunch of Puritans. You can rape Indians and kill them and teach them about Jesus, whatever you want to do, fuck it. And so the losers in England that were chasing opportunity because they couldn't make it work there came to here, took over. And then those losers were like, fuck this. 
I'm leaving this shit. We're going to Texas. And then those fucking entrepreneurial opportunity losers, after killing a bunch of Mexicans, were like, ah, I don't like this anymore. There's too many people showed up. Let's go to the fucking, cross the Rockies into California. I'm related to all those fucking losers. <laughs> I come from a long line of people that were stuck in a place surrounded by other people like, this sucks. I got to go somewhere else. And then we ran out of country and now I'm stuck in fucking Texas. It's the same as any other state, the same amount of entitlement. It's just our branding's better because the shape of Texas makes a good waffle right. shape. Does it, does the amount of work in Texas keep you in the state? Like, do, does it keep you from tra- doing a, more road work? And, and Because there's a lot, a lot of opportunity. I haven't done anything really. I haven't done it. I did, uh, I did a run at the Looney Bins before the Booker died. Uh, uh, in 2020 and like December, cause I had to pay rent and oh, that was fun. That was fun when you had to do stand up to survive <laughs> and, uh, everyone, you know, is calling you a piece of shit, super spreader because you have, it's the only means of survival. Cause H E B and fucking Walmart. Oh, I, got you. I got that. Uh, yeah. When, 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 uh, right. Cause we started working, uh, three months after lock or two months after lockdown and people uh, people in the music community up here were like demonizing us for for being out there playing gigs something you know something they weren't great gigs but you know what it wasn't just the, the have to pay the rent it's supporting the business so the business doesn't die we weren't getting payroll protection money from the government to keep up yeah at all so uh, we made bad decisions yeah. we made bad life decisions chasing our ego we should suffer like that stupid lack of foresight bitches we are exactly right i had savings i didn't make a big i didn't complain too much i didn't make a thing because everyone's going through shit it's just it's wild to me to to take world events and make it all about you and the amount of people that i knew that were doing that and falling into it and then pushing and destroying friendships it, it it was I haven't really done anything, dude, in two years. I've been exploring and understanding media today and uh, exploring how our relationship. I've been creating little fake shows on my YouTube channel, and I'll put them out for a little bit, and then I'll delete them because I'm trying to teach myself how to do it. And I have, you know, we can't do this publicly because you'll exhaust a lot of goodwill. So I try to small ball it with a select group of people so I can get feedback and other perspectives as I iron it out. So the more I do this, now I'm releasing the special, <clears throat> I, I know I've done enough work to, that I think it's entertaining at the very least and worth your time. How do you, if you, don't, how do you know when you know, it's a success? If, you, if, you're not, if you're just limiting your audience to a, a small group of people and you're, you're expecting those, that small number, how, do you, how, how are you measuring success, like whether it's going to Oh, I don't. I don't care about success. <laughs> yeah. I, like you were saying Maybe about, uh, about when you, when, <laughs> yeah, when you were talking about not, not satisfaction. To me, satisfaction kills art. Uh, comfort destroys motivation, and uh, I've been uncomfortable, not forcibly. I've been very born into it. Really, I, I grew up with nothing, and I'm used to nothing. So, I just don't emotionally invest in the idea of success. I, I don't have any uh, illusions that I'm owed anything. To me, everyone's time is important, which is why it's hard to complain about the audience and the artist now being equal on the platforms, because I kind of enjoy the idea that some random idiot can just put some words together and it would 
it would be such a great sentence that uh, whether it impacted you in a funny way or a dramatic way or whatever, the fact that anybody could find that and do it and it gains, I, I, I think there's an appeal to that that shouldn't be so dismissed because uh, an individual's wrapped up in their own narcissism that they can't just enjoy the right. humanities when they're doing yeah, the humanities. Yeah, I get it. Uh, it does annoy me when people who have not practice anything or ever actually tried anything think they can do it without ever like if you if you told me you were a great guitar player and, and then but you've never picked up a guitar a lot of people especially in com with with regards to comedy a lot of people think they can get up on stage and be funny and and do five minutes of professional presentation of of comedy yeah. and they can't yeah, they've done I mean, it. They don't, yeah. no idea what goes into it I mean this. I mean this, brother. I, I really mean this because uh, you got to kill that attitude. Uh, first of all, it's in it's in your way because that's you trying to protect yourself when you're doing it by projecting that on them. Everyone sucks at comedy because it's it, it's 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 uh, interpreted. You, we're all terrible at it, so it's easier that way. There's ten people that are great at it at any one time, and that's all we give a shit about. And the rest can go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. The people that are bad about it, you're talking about it. You can't do stand-up comedy and be so self-aware uh, that you're not good at it because then you won't do it anymore. You need a, a, a level of delusion. And I've been trapped by it since uh, quarantine. I, I've only done it uh, sparringly at best because I don't have a direction and the people I'm around are just so fucking insufferable. That uh, I, all the, a lot of the veterans quit. Uh, a lot of the new ones have a different value system. That's not about the jokes. It's more about being seen and uh, sounding like stand-up yeah. comedy. And then you get onto the industry side. The people like I had a deal with Comedy Dynamics, and I got them to rip it up because it was insulting. They wanted me to pay for them to distribute my yeah. special. Yeah. No. And they wanted to trick me into doing it. Like, I, I have a music background first, so I know all the shenanigans. And when you tell me that I have to pay the uh, insurance on filming licenses for Canada for some strange reason, uh, in case I say something in uh, uh, what's it, uh, uh, bad or not correct or inflammatory towards people's character, I'm sorry, that's stand-up comedy. That's my entire act. That is like, there's yeah, no insurance yeah, for that. If you stand up and you're like, how is this guy a way to say this thing? It's like, it's on you, man. This is some crazy person. Let the, that's what stand up is. It's what comedy is mentally ill people who can't adjust to normal society and then normal society laughing and watching <laughs> that tramp. He can't figure it out. <laughs> He's eating a chair. Yeah. yeah, no, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, that is the essence of comedy. But now we, we're seeing people, and I don't want to, I don't even know if I want to go here, but we see people who are not comedy using that same kind of mentality, not comedians. We see people who are talking heads on podcasts, and they, we see politicians, and we see uh, journalists and people like that taking that same approach. That's, that's a kind of... A, that's 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 what people are interested yeah. in, and uh, to be fair to an earlier point that I'm sure someone was screaming at the laptop when we're when we talk about our perspectives of what's going on culturally and entertainment wise, because of our our mutual uh, paths that we both have gone down when it comes to music and uh, 
the the cultural values that were created by fucking Paul McCartney and Brian Epstein. Let's not fucking forget. They saw what happened with Frank Sinatra. They saw what Colonel Tom Parker did with Elvis, and they created and industrialized these four teenagers who, by magic, happened to be the greatest songwriters all time. You can easily put them up there of Gershwin and anybody, uh, uh, and whoever traditional was, that guy, he was amazing at songwriting. Uh, The fucking... Uh, but they created the value system of cool that people like us were influenced by the people influenced by it. So you had generations of creatives that were all identifying with separate beetles. And then when they would form groups, they would form these archetypes. It's a very human being thing. We, we, we attach to the archetypes and they go, you're the Paul, you're the John, you're the George, you're the Ringo. And then the, the dummy of the group's like, all right, I guess I'm the fucking Ringo. I'm not going to argue with the John. And you're like, it, it's just weird shit that people naturally do because we do mirror each other to yeah. an extent. So while we're saying in our narrow lenses that most of it's shit, it's always been mostly shit. Uh, it's just because we have to work harder. There's great things out there. Like and when we're talking on a podcast medium, yeah, it's saturated with a lot of shit. But I find what Dan Carlin's been doing to history and the influence he has on the content of people just now creating uh, incredible YouTube channels of, of documentary-style historical uh, commentary that's fair and well-researched, I can tell you that that didn't exist 10 years ago, really. Yeah. That didn't exist 20 years ago. We're, we ha- Things are better if you're locked into it, but unfortunately, a lot of the algorithm and a lot of the platforms are owned by corporate interests that are going to be pushing you towards the ad system. So I think we're inherently feeling the frustrations of a society that wants to go certain ways, but keeps running into paywalls. And the the frustration of it is turning us into agitated spend monkeys where we just get angry and try to cover up that, that feeling of shame and anger with, with whatever we can purchase on Amazon and get delivered to our door because we felt like we couldn't go outside right. for a while. Well, to, to your point, and I agree what you just said about YouTube, and uh, I, I find there is some re- if you if you look for it, you can find some really great content produced by people who are not my- mainstream corporate producers. They are just normal people producing stuff and being honest about it. But I think this is going back to the short thing. I think... YouTube sees what's happening with TikTok and Instagram and the 60 second reels and stuff. And now they're, they've gone, they're making a, a concerted effort to go with shorts and get people to produce shorts and that's going to make money. And so those people who are producing good content, maybe in longer form, uh, uh, format, they're, they're being incentivized well, to do shorts, short nonsense. They're, they're, I have a theory about this. I, I, I mean, keep in mind, everything I say is based on theories. I just take walks and think. I, I'm not uh, an academic. Walker? And so, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you don't have a car. You know, yeah. what are you going to uh, No, I, I'm all right. I, I, no, I like to walk and, and, and think and get the mind moving because you need that to, to yeah. stimulate uh, and let the subconscious work stuff yeah, out. Yeah, Mishka was on there's, last week and he was talking about uh, all that kind of stuff. That how writers are are creative people. Walking is we all have that same kind of addiction to walking to being creative. 
it, uh, it's 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 movement. You, uh, movement makes the brain work better. So there is something to that. And it's a slow, methodical movement. So you can take your time with your thoughts and ideas and you can get lost and let your subconscious. John Cleese uh, did a really great talk when I lived in San Antonio at the university out there at the college he, uh, about creativity with uh, the subconscious was where most of the work is happening. And I, I'm, a, I'm a subconscious person. I let a lot of that happen in the subconscious. I just take my time and let it develop. And then when it pops out, I capture it, you know. And then some things when I consciously work on, that's more of my editing brain when I'm trying to make creative decisions. And that's a little frantic. And, and your day-to-day kind of interrupts in that. And then sometimes all you have to do is just sit down and get caught up in a repetitive motion and let your subconscious take back over so you can get back to where the actual work is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my book was written in my sleep, completely in my sleep. I mean, and people think I say that. <laughs> I believe it. No, I believe it. I, I, I've written two books in my sleep. I, I'm with you, brother. Uh, so you, are you going to be out performing again soon? Anything on the – no? And I don't fucking, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And that's why I, I, I this is the most public I've really been. I, I, I usually don't show up on these things. I usually send other people to do them because they really like the attention and I like to make sure that they have it. Uh, I, and it, also, it's really funny to send a black woman as Jay White Cotton to podcasts. And they're like, <laughs> I, all right. I don't even know you. Why are you making me do this? You know, it would have been so really fun. funny if Michael uh, McDonald they, showed up. It, it would have I've I have reached out. He won't return. Uh, but it, I, I have to be successful to get that bit to properly play out. And believe me, I have that in the works. Uh, it's only dependent on my success that I can con Michael McDonald to to doing a podcast as me. But I, I can't. I haven't earned it yet because I'm a fucking nobody and I refuse to. Uh, uh, I don't yeah. know. Uh, you come to the right place for that. Uh, but for me, if I was not performing, I mean, given everything that's happened and I understand all, all your frustrations with all that stuff, but I would be miserable. That's the only thing that keeps me from killing myself. If I'm being completely honest with you, it's looking forward to that, that's, that's You should go to therapy because that's unhealthy. <laughs> and that's why people are losing well, but, their fucking minds because they actually, hold on. No, no, I'm not going to therapy. They <laughs> No, man, that's not therapy. That's your ego. That's you feeling like you're doing something with your talents. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to do. But uh, let me ask you, are yeah. you getting paid for it? Yeah, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing it for health. No, I, not I am doing it, I'm doing it for the, the money, too. You're absolutely right. I'm, I'm about to ask you to play the Monster Mash on that fucking guitar back there with the bridge doesn't work. <laughs> And, you know, you would fucking do it if the money started racking up and you'd feel horrible about it. And because doing that, you can't openly express your hatred for that. It makes you say shit like, oh, this is my therapy to cover up the, the feeling of lack. Uh, I say let all that go and do whatever the fuck you want to do. If you're enjoying yourself, that's all you need to fucking do. It's your time. No yeah. one else's. So you get to dictate that. This whole need for hierarchy and fame chasing it, i'm not i can't do it i don't have that kind of charisma i'm naturally unlikable you should see audiences look at me it takes me a few minutes to get them to trust me because i understand how i sound comes across as aggressive but that's just because it's uncomfortable being around people i don't enjoy I, get this. Same, I have uh, that same exact thing going on in fact 
Everyone does, because no one likes being around people. That's why people who say they have social anxiety are just fucking right. assholes. No one enjoys this. You just don't like that you have to share the fucking that's, world. That's a big part of it. Plus, I don't want to talk to anybody I don't find interesting. So, somebody... That's your fault, motherfucker. No, 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 no. That's on you. It, it's your responsibility to find what they're interested in interesting by asking yourself, this is what I do for comedy. I, I, are you an open micer? Did you struggle with that? Are, are you working on it? Are you trying to do sets, or is it just jokes between um, you? And songs? Well, no, yeah, I, I've been working on it, but I'm never going to do it. I know I'm never going to do it. I did it. I did stand up. Okay, I did it when I was young, and uh, it got it got in the way with my music uh, career, my music livelihood, and so I. No, no, I quit music to do stand-up. I, I totally get it. I didn't want to rely on a fucking drummer ever again. That's the only reason why I do this horseshit. Uh, no, here, here's, here's four things that I ask myself, and I, I tell everyone this, and uh, it's very simple to do, but I think it's important when we're coming to our ideas. I ask four questions. The first question is, what's the point? Whatever the fuck I'm talking about, it has to have a point. Now, Unfortunately, when I say that word point, I'm an alien in society because no one knows what that fucking means. They think I'm talking about some global, life-changing fucking idea. No, the point can be as basic as what is the point of the leg on a table? Well, it's propping it up with three others. That's the point of the fucking leg. It's as simple as that. If your idea doesn't have one, then you're, you have no legs, your table slopped over. So you need a point. All right. So the second question I ask is, uh, why is it funny? Because if you don't know why it's funny, no one's going to know why it's funny. So what's the point? The point is this. You say it and just be as succinct as possible. And then you go, it's funny because of this blank, 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 blank. And if you think that the answer is because it's relatable, kill yourself because nobody wants to see anything that's relatable. Not really. Uh, I don't watch crazy people on stage so I feel connected to them. I want to see the show. You know, give me the razzle-dazzle. Uh, and if you do relate to them, then you're coming from an egocentric point, whatever. Uh, relatability doesn't make things funny. It's just fucking relatable. And if it's funny, it's incidental. Then the other two questions I ask is, why do I even give a shit to talk about this? Which brings me to an interesting point that you bring up. Uh, I, I got to care about what I'm talking about so people can feel that caring and, and, and then ask themselves, all right, well, this guy cares about this. I don't fucking give a shit, which brings me to my last question. My last question, what's the point? Why is it funny? Why do I give a shit to bring it up? My last question is, why should anyone fucking listen to this? Because they, they shouldn't. Right. We don't deserve that. It's not entitled to that. But why should they? And that question leads me to finding why they would find it interesting and communicating it from that perspective based on me researching their perspectives. Now, I'm not pandering to them because it's still going to be my point of view and what they think about is going to be last, but at least I'm doing my job to communicate what I, what I think is funny and the point of it into their language and their value right. system which is how you survive doing comedy in Texas when you don't really prescribe to the Bush Cheney agenda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, does it ever bother you that um, it just sometimes they just don't connect with the point? They don't connect with it at all. They don't, they don't even get the point. Uh, uh, don't even. 
I don't work no. about it. I, my job is to, my job is to, uh, well, I, I don't think I said that right. Uh, I never worry completely about it. I just, I naturally give a shit about other people. I have empathy. It's, it's, it's why I've been hard to go out because when you're surrounded by narcissists and you have a blind spot for um, borderline personality disorder and you end up in 15 years of a series of just damaging relationships where you're getting dosed acid and the girl's trying to convince you to kill yourself. But even on acid, you're like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but in a loving way, because your empathy is going all crazy. I'm like, nah, I don't want to kill myself. That seems a little drastic. <laughs> I, haven't tried, I haven't tried heroin yeah. yet. And, uh, you know, like, and you can only blame yourself for putting yourself in that position because you grew up with narcissists and, and people with borderline personality disorder. So, effectively relearning i spent this time relearning how to communicate just to kind of basically i'm explaining to you the the levels i go to try to communicate with you the general right. public and it's important to me because i grew up truly alone i was imprisoned a lot of my childhood so that my parents could do drugs without it influencing the children a thing that didn't actually work wow, out wow that's pretty heavy now we are it's uh, yeah, this is the bitch of it. Like, it, like my back. I don't give a fuck. But it, my backstory is so heavy that people get hit by it. And I'm like, no, no, no. It gets it gets hilarious. Hold on. So after getting shot at by my dad, like you know, it's he no, never shot you in the ball, did he? You got <laughs> It's listen. It's the the reason I, I did a, a a comedy special. I I got so sick of everyone taking themselves so serious. And presenting themselves as if they're doing Comedy Central. Well, I'm fucking YouTube. This is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm funny. I don't want to tell any COVID jokes again. And I think doing a Halloween comedy special is really stupid and funny. And so I might as well make it a horror movie set in a dystopian future run by lizard people where humanity is slaves. And you're watching it as a lizard person like it's normal, set from the before time of some raving lunatic bitching about his own personal dramas uh, and, a, and, a, and then the lady yeah. dies. So uh, if you don't get the audio remixed tonight, are you going to re release it tomorrow or not? Uh, you know, I, I told another podcast that I started having fun with the idea of just releasing it to one person <laughs> at a time because I found that more enjoyable. Like, the, look, dude, the responses to this fucking thing has been bananas. Uh, the, the comics I've showed, uh, comics won't talk, most of them will, but a lot of comics have fallen apart because I, I, I had the audacity to ask one question, okay? I, I'll tell you the question. I'll ask you. Uh, but before I ask you, I'm just going to tell you this uh, five comics, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. One, a nationally touring headliner who's a great friend of mine who came in for the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Uh, I kind of pointed out that the festival is kind of ridiculous and doesn't do anything for your career and asked this question. And he got so visibly shaken and angry at me that he had to take a fake phone call and jump out of my truck in the middle of downtown Austin. To, because otherwise we might have fought. We might have had to fight. I upset wow. him that much. Uh, another comic... Uh, cried in the grocery store when I asked him this question. Uh, another comic in New York State ended up getting, uh, went insane, developed psychosis and believed that the, the TV show Secession was talking to him from the writers. 
and lost and then started repeating the past conversations I had with him for two years, but from my perspective, but as if it was his. So this weird father-son dynamic happened out, and I was like, what the fuck? And then like the others, the others just got wildly annoyed and wouldn't talk to me and, and lost friends because the question I asked was, uh, and I'll ask you, Mind Dog, uh, Mind Dog TV, uh, it's just fun to say, uh, does, does stand-up comedy still exist? Whoa. And that would make somebody want to jump out of a truck or cry in a grocery store. Uh, I think stand-up comedy still does exist. and uh, It's gotten overwhelmed with a lot of crap, but... Uh, what is huh? it? What is it, it? What is it? It's it's guys standing up, telling jokes, making me laugh for a, a few minutes. Make it. Then why the fuck am I on TikTok? <laughs> and why is that so fucking important? And why am I a loser who can't fucking get an agent because I refuse to do TikTok? That's that's like it's it's a fucking marketing scheme, yeah. dude. Uh, all these entrepreneurs, like we were talking about the the reels. All that shit. Do you remember SEO clicks yeah, and stuff sure. like that? You, uh, you, st- you still get emails. I'm sure your, your show still gets emails from people who want to redo your website and get you the clicks on Google. Well, that's all a lot. That doesn't work. That's never worked. What that does is validate marketers having jobs. <laughs> so a lot of people are, are – I, 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 I learned this from, from this shysty guy called Max Knights. And he was trying to create Facebook before Facebook existed. It was a web page where you could go to see all the city's nightlife and drink specials and choose where to go and plan your night. He was this. He was like, oh, and then he would charge all the bars to do that. And then he started taking ad space in the paper that was charging the bars for the same thing, but in the paper. And watching that just turn to shit made me realize just how much of this is made up and just dipshits who don't want to work or create for a living trying to make up jobs for themselves. And that's the whole marketing and advertising right. industry. Uh, all these reels numbers, uh, that's, that quick seconds, this, it's, it clicks links. And that creates ad revenue and reasons for ads to sponsor those things and to validate someone's job at a company for purple fucking mattresses. It's all just, uh, this country has way too much money and COVID didn't kill enough. <laughs> Well, I, I actually had that same conversation with a, a bunch of people who do marketing for a living yesterday. I was trying to explain to them that sooner or later, the people that you are creating content for, for their marketing, are going to figure out that you're not really driving their bottom line at all, and they're going to bail on you. They, you can't count on these people unless you actually bring them results, bring them custom, new customers or new dollars into their business. They're going to figure It's not yeah. hard, man. It's not hard. You just people want the same shit. That's why those reels exist. Is because they want it validates the jobs, and also you get trapped there because it's constant flood of information. And um, I'm going to lead to a really fucked up question. Uh, before we get to that question, I do want to say that yes, stand up does exist. It's just uh, the opportunists and the opp- entrepreneurs and the hacks and the posers. Uh, who are about the image of things and the simulation of things. Like, we talk about living in a simulation. We don't live in a fucking computer simulation. That's just a bunch of fucking dorks trying to sound like they're crypto and interesting. (laughs) No, we live in a society that's constantly simulating trying to be someone else. Uh, We take pictures holding mics as if that's our image. Uh, We're, again, identity-based without actual character because that's an advertising gimmick. It's just, there's no economy anymore. There's... 
it's it's a free for all and it's falling apart and uh it's very basic and it leads me to this thing i got a cough and i apologize I, okay, i've been I'll sick cough all with week you. Ready? doing this <coughs> <coughs> all right so <laughs> The, the the thing that we got to realize is that like none of that shit would play if it didn't work on human beings. Uh, and unfortunately, all the problems in the world, everything that you hear in the government, the left versus right, when people were angry about masks and whether China did this to us again. And uh, I say again because I count the fucking first fucking plague. Uh, I find that um, we... We were not going to ever solve any problems because we don't want to work together because we've economized versus culture. Okay, so we're fucked there. And two, we don't know what a human being is. We actually don't know. I've asked everyone of important. I've asked stupid people. I've asked smart people. Hey, hold up. Uh, what's a human being? <laughs> We don't really know what the fuck we are. And I find that wild and interesting. And it bothers me that no one else oh, I does. Do. I, I, don't, I, don't, I find it very interesting. I don't know. And that's, I've asked lots of people that question on this show. Uh, what the fuck is a person? Because if we can answer that question, we can understand the, the animal's behaviors, its motivations, how it's motivated against us and used against us by people aware of that. Because we do have the ability to form individual consciousness. We, we live in two different worlds at the same time. We live in an individual state of consciousness, and that's where you get your libertine, libertarian ideals or your libertine ideals if you want to go really sexy <laughs> about it. But we also completely change when a hive or a group is formed. So we have two abilities to, to navigate between two things. And in fact, a lot of mental illness could be people broken between those broken. two things. And we won't, we, we just haven't been able to gel that, that those two dualities together yet. Uh, we, can, we can do it individually. I can explain this to you, and you'd be like, I fucking feel that. That makes complete sense. But the second there's like 20, 30, 40, 50, thousands of people, our relationship changes who we are in the right. group. And, and we just instinctively or subconscious, something is going on that we're not addressing. Maybe it's like grass, like how a, a grass here can communicate with grass far away. Like if you affect it here, it feels it over on this side. Like science has proved that, that it responses and some, for whatever reasons it can do that. I think human beings have a, a, have a, have an ability like that, that we call telepathy or we call all this other magic bullshit when it's really just a hive mind. It's a state of nature that are, we need discipline to get us out of or to recognize. Like to me, a human being doesn't exist. We're pretentious monkeys. We come from other pretentious racist <laughs> monkeys that uh, saw other monkeys as lesser and then started, like, we either fucked them out of existence <laughs> or we just slaughtered them and ate their brains <laughs> and used their bones to kill other tribes. And then suddenly we're now Downton Abbey. We just use the same fucking monkey instincts to viscerate each other in passive aggressive, catty. Uh, European continental accents. I, I love to get. What's I love to be fucked out of existence every once in a while. I get that. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, a couple of nights ago, I had a, a guest scheduled, and she's a transformational. Uh, she's part of the International Leadership Transformational Ca uh, Council, which to me sounds like I, she should be like on the uh, Enterprise or something. But 
Well, she's a lonely person. She's a lonely, lost soul. I, 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 I ache. I ache for that right. existence. The, the combination of international. Right. How fucking dare Leadership. you? Like, the fucking Iran during the revolution. I'm like, yeah, hey, guys, I'm one of those transforming people. They're like transformers. What the fuck are you but talking about? She said she kind of claimed to have the key to happiness in in so many words, and, and how to be, live a blissful life and all this stuff. And one of the don't trust anyone who uh, says that. And, but one of her talking points was, you'll always if you follow her program, you'll always know the next right thing to do. And then she didn't show up, so that proves she was right. Because I, <laughs> I would have. You know. You turn me around. You turn me around. I, I now love her. I now love her. She didn't show up. That's that's just a. That's what I'm fucking dealing with in stand up. And, and, and man, I did a fucking compound media show. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I thought they were interviewing me for stand up, and, and they were just. I don't know what the fuck is. I got man. I got into it with the fucking the skanks people or something over some nonsense. All right, this is how stupid this shit is. I had some friends that were doing this, like, uh, they were doing a ripoff of Cumbtown. Uh, I'm trying, it was something boys related. It was one of the many boys podcasts where a bunch of 20, 30 year olds pretend like they're not, you know, that they're reinventing the wheel by talking about coming and pussies <laughs> and tits and shit. Uh, you know, something that you never thought about when you were that, you know, like, so, uh, but the thing is, like, the posturing that they do, because they're all trying to, effectively mimic what's being done at the top. Like to me, this is what the arts has become. It starts with the top podcast, right? And then it creates an economy of listeners and attention and uh, bottom rung faders uh, all the way down, see what's happening at the top and then try to do their version so that this mass audience who gets bored of hearing the same fucking person over Mark Maron is great as he is. I can't fucking listen to him anymore. I listen to enough of Mark Maron. I get it. Uh, got it. Right. <laughs> So then it trickles down to that audience. And so everybody's trying to catch it. They brought Reaganomics into the fucking yeah. arts. And everyone's caught up in the system. Uh, I'm surrounded by these people doing this. It's, I got, I, I'm so angry just thinking about it. I got lost in yeah, the anger. I, I, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking I, about anymore. I feel you. It's, it's hard no, to I feel you. It, it, it's very uh, frustrating to get to see all that kind of stuff and, and everybody. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the fucking point. All right, so here, here th this is this is the game. All right, uh, we're doing this podcast, right? I'm just doing this. This is my impression of the game. I don't know if this is true, but it seems to me that you find a podcast that's really successful, and then you do the exact same thing, but in your way, and uh, you eventually get an audience because people who listen to podcasts are the loneliest motherfuckers <laughs> in the world. Who are, of uh, that pretty people the, the unfuckables you want the unfuckables to be your fan base uh i have a lot of love for unfuckable people because i'm quite unfuckable many many when i open my mouth usually i'm, I'm pretty i got beautiful eyes but i'll fuck people it in up. the Don't chat room we're talking about your uh, hair by so, the way go ahead <laughs> good I love, thank you it's uh i conditioned so uh the fucking uh um so I, I'm doing this podcast. So, so what they did is uh, I got into this Town style podcast and I knew the kids and they were all nice kids. You know, they're just being, you know, shitty kids on a podcast during quarantine. And they were bragging about how they don't give a fuck about anyone. And they're the fucking, they'll say anything and do what they want. And they were talking shit about this really famous podcaster involved in the skank stuff. And uh, uh, 
So I was talking to my buddy Andrew, and we were just making fun of him, laughing. He was like, they're not, they're fucking cowards. They would never say this publicly. Why are they trying to impress us? I got it. So we do the podcast, and I just shit talk this guy. But the way I shit talked him was actually extremely complimentary if you break it down. I said he, the funniest thing he ever did was be the closer of a really famous, funny comedian that's well respected. This guy wrote this incredible closer about this guy. And I go, that's the funniest thing he ever did, sounding it like a slight. So they were just like, oh, I don't know what to say, right? Knowing in the back of my mind that one of those motherfuckers would cut the clip and try to bring attention to it based on my name because he thought I was a name and and mattered to create controversy, to get him higher up into the fucking thing. They're they're all doing professional wrestling. yeah. Yeah. Professional wrestling is now in all the arts because it's all about presentation and it's about the image. So what we're starting to see is that everyone's adopting professional wrestling personas and making it into this world, except for professional wrestling. It's the only thing that's just honestly saying, hey, we're just fucking entertainment. I wouldn't, you know, we're not going to say it's fake, but yeah. Yeah, I I think the The entire world has gone professional wrestling, except professional. They were always that. So... But it's it's been it's been in every part of culture now. Every every part of culture has reflects that professional wrestling mentality. I, it's not fun. It's not fun for me because I was never I was never a fan of that. Stuff. It can't be fun. <laughs> I I can I listen. If you don't like professional wrestling, then you don't like uh, the the theater. You don't like plays. It's it's Greek. It's 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 uh, it's storytelling through movement. Uh, and you you care about the characters, like the ones that are great at doing it. You got to realize all of this shit. No one cares about songs. No one cares about the jokes. People care about the story behind those things. Like I think the 21st century is more of the evolution of the behind the scenes footage. Uh, what you have right now is a culture that's tired of the arts. And now they're interested in the mechanics of the art. They're interested in the conversation of the art. So the podcasts that formed were supposed to be what it was like to be in the green room, especially for comedy. You know, this is the this is the behind the scenes. This is the talk. This is the, how we actually talk. But then they started booming, and people started profiting off the bloggers calling them out for saying stupid shit on a stupid yeah, yeah. thing, and now. They're cautiously, they're pretending to sound like they're behind the scenes. They're doing this in-between world. They're all full of shit. And now it's littered into public where I go to open mics, I go to comedy shows, performers that have been doing it for a while, they're all talking like they're doing live podcasts at all times. Yeah, yeah, no. It's a switch, but it's it's unhealthy, it's psychotic, and it's fucking yeah, weird. absolutely. Uh, by the way, I just want to clear things. <laughs> um, I don't like wrestling because of the time and period and place that I was raised in. I grew up across the street from a professional wrestler, and um, he he was uh, involved with the mafia in a big way. He actually, he's in the Godfather movie. I uh, played Luca Brasi. He would, before that he was a professional wrestler. That's yeah, uh, Lenny Montana. Yeah. And and he, he used to yeah. take me to uh a you know corporate shows that he was involved in that were a front for the mob and all that kind of stuff and my father was in that world so uh, <laughs> yeah. so 
So, yeah, that was long before the Hulk Hogan, WWE, and WWC, and all that kind of stuff. And so when I grew up, it was just like beyond, it wasn't entertainment at all. It was a front for the mob. So it was. Dude, dude, it's, it's, um, I think, well, you know what? Honestly, like hearing you say it like that, and it's interesting, you know, you got to wonder how much nostalgia gets played into our manipulations. Mm -hmm. Like, um, because a lot of YouTube is nostalgia. Uh, remember this. Remember this. Uh, you know, South Park uh, quite successfully nailed this with the member berries. It's a very popular meme uh, from the episode. Uh, I find it interesting uh, how I connect to a clip of Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair having a retirement match. A thing that's not real, by the way, because he didn't actually <laughs> retire. Uh but the emotions that they told a story in the fight. And that's what got me really, you know, this has a lot of value. Wrestling as a form of storytelling is very possible. And in fact, one of the projects we were working on uh, before people are flakes, by the way, uh, was trying to use wrestling as a storytelling device. So the creative idea that we came up with was this is the challenge. Wrestling tells stories. So how do we do it in a way that we think is good instead of it just being about wrestling? So my idea uh, was a time-traveling wrestler who uh, uh, goes back in time and beats up historical figures to prove that he's the baddest man of all time. It's as stupid as that, but we frame it as a learning show. And then when he goes back in time and wrestles, you get information about the historical figure. So we were going to film it like it's for seven-year-olds, but put wildly inappropriate stuff into it and actual real information and some conspiracy stuff using the story, the wrestling part as the storytelling device, which is all very possible, but you can't turn yourself off to those things because wrestling by itself might not do it for you, but the mechanics behind it that interests the people, those things are universal and are very worthy of paying attention because it involves um, pageantry. It involves sportsmanship. It involves manhood to an extent. It involves uh, the sexualization of things. <laughs> Uh, the feelings of homoeroticism that happens in a lot of fucking dudes and uh, the expression of the... There's a lot fucking going on that can be appreciated. This is me, by the way, finding a reason to give a shit about someone else's stupid now, thing. But I, I think your idea is fucking brilliant, but I wish you would not have said it in... Uh, because now that it's out in the ether, somebody else is going to do it and make a billion dollars off it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me help you out with that. Let me help you out with that nonsense. Listen, listen. That is a poisonous way to think. Listen. Um, the second you teachers, the, like the second you start holding on to your ideas um, and try to, you know, monetize everything, like the second you hold on to an idea is the second you teach yourself that you can't come up oh, with no, another one. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying you should suppress the idea, just not necessarily on a podcast. I think with, with another creative guy or somebody who can help get it done is fine. But <laughs> We can get it done. We had the wrestler. It was this Mexican dude named Ruben Steele. <laughs> Uh, he was like he was like we made the guy Mexican because we we wanted a super badass Mexican that did uh, Razorback fighting and steel wire shit to go back in time and beat the shit out of uh, Harriet Tubman. We just thought that was really <laughs> fun. But she holds her own. She's a badass. We hire like Mark Henry to play Henriette Tubman because who gives a shit? It's wrestling. They're in costume. We understand the pageantry of it. It's a good storytelling device if you no, heard it. And I don't saying it out loud because. Even if I don't produce it and make it, 
the example I think is interesting enough and it shows the mindset I think we need to talk about as creatives so that someone listening to this who might feel a little trapped or feel overwhelmed by the social need to be on all the sites and do all the hokey fucking paint by numbers bullshit. No, I don't want to talk to, I, I want to, I want to see what you have right. to say. I want to see what you have to create because I think that's the 21st century and it's more aligned with my values of, I don't need to make this all about me. I, I worked hard on this thing. I worked so hard on this thing. No one's going to give a shit about it. <laughs> so hard. Specific, and it's so dumb. It's so stupid. You don't understand, man. I edited out punchlines. I took out deep. Like I, I did two two-hour shows. And in those two two-hour shows, lives changed. Okay? People flew in from Buffalo and from fucking Detroit on a week's notice. I didn't, I didn't ask. I just said, Hey, I don't think I want to do this shit anymore. So I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want for a couple of hours on this particular day. And people showed up and it surprised the hell out of me because I didn't plan anything. I didn't write anything. So I feel guilty about that. I, I just said, I don't give a shit. I just want to say these things that I've been ruminating on. And I put a lot of work into the editing because it's so stupid. Like I, people cried and moments people were shocked in moments uh, someone dies i feel like i have to tell people that because i don't want to be a piece of <laughs> shit and surprise you and you had some fucking you know like like i got it i gotta be somewhat honest about this <laughs> somewhat um expect a horrible we're gonna call it faces of death volume 69 and go that route we decided to go in a horror movie route to take the fun into it and make it silly when you see someone die so it's not that big of a deal uh, but it is a fucking very inappropriate thing. But I put the work into it because, you know, what else are we going to fucking do? We got to, like every stupid thing, we got to stop taking ourselves so serious. And we got to, the thing that comics have turned against me on, like my buddy, my buddy Casey O'Rourke, his name's Canal. Uh, sometimes it goes by Casey if it's a, a wider audience, but now ethnic Indians are accepted in, in comedy, so he can be Canal again, and I congratulate him for that. He's a very funny, just enterprising young man. He's, he's been working with Tim Dillon. He's been busting his ass, doing everything the right way. He hates this special. His response to it was so fucking funny. He's, he yelled at me. I thought he was going he yelled at me. He's like, why do you hate success? And my only answer was like, I don't even think about success. What a boring thing to think yeah, about. Yeah, I spent, I spent my years what thinking about success? success. And then I realized that, you know, I, I truly am doing this just for the fun of it is, is why I'm, I'm, I'm in it. And that's why I do. But there are some times where you, cause you take, I take gigs not knowing what to expect sometimes. Like I get a lot of new rooms that could, it happens. It's just part of the thing. And you never know what to expect because it, a lot of times people aren't coming to see my original music. They're coming because there's, they know there's entertainment there that night. Right. <laughs> right. Which brings me to this point. People like he couldn't, a lot of comics who I showed this to couldn't understand why I made it less personal and less impactful and less meaningful. I could have easily pointed the camera at someone crying at an emotional point before hitting them with a punchline that made the entire audience erupt. Yes, that is a powerful moment. But you know what? Stand-up comedy doesn't exist in this medium. It is a live thing. It happens in the moment, and that moment's fucking wow. gone. That's the art. Everything else is media. 
It's television. It's movies. And if that's the case, why not turn the special into a fucking horror movie and say, fuck it, because... That's how it's interesting now. It's that's why nobody can watch a special because you're taking everything that makes it special out of it. The human, the the interaction it's, of it is it's, gone. You can't reproduce the comedy club experience watching a television. I totally agree with that. I mean, that's my biggest problem with most specials, or almost all specials since like the very first special I ever saw, like George Car- George Carlin back in the seventies or something, or Richard Pryor live at the. You don't get that experience it's not the same as sitting in the same dark room with a bunch of other people laughing there's a way to do it and i experimented with it i don't i don't know if i left it online i was doing a uh uh, uh, uh it was called my my so-called fake tv show where i was kind of just making fun of everybody i know doing all these fake things like all of this is fake you know we're literally people are faking it till they make it well if, if we're all faking it then what if i just tell everyone i'm faking it i feel way right. more honest Hey, watch my fake TV show. What <laughs> we, we fake wrote. And the whole show revolved around the fact that my writing partner could never get it together and he kept falling apart the way everyone does and not creates things. So I thought, that's the show. And instead of interviewing people where they're watching me talk, I would make them hold the phone and they would talk while I listened. Because two things are happening. One, when do you watch someone listening? It's a very interesting thing in our lives. And I think psychologically, when you see someone listening, because you don't see it in medium very often, you are attracted to it differently. It sets a different tone. And when you hear the voice behind the phone, that person's way more relaxed because they're in control of the camera and it's not on them on their attention. So you get genuine interaction as opposed to this thing that we're doing because the cameras are on us and we're, on, we're aware there's an audience. I can't see the comment section. I'm ignoring it. So I can dedicate this to you specifically because I would start talking to them i couldn't i I have to bring them in i I don't like seeing people on the outskirts uh, conversations so uh god damn i got lost in that focus you know (laughs) you're absolutely right though but it, it is more interesting to kind of uh take that approach to it because you don't see people truly interested and this is why you know not to I'm going to have to sprain my arm to pat myself on the back. After doing a thousand interviews now with people, most of my time is finding something really interested uh, in the guests that I'm really curious about and letting them talk and listening and learning from them. So uh, maybe that's that's a a good thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. For me, it's what I like. That's why I did this one. Hey, that's why I did this one. You reached out and I had nothing at the time. Uh, I saw the one you did on James Inman, and uh, I thought it was in. No, I love James, man. I'm just glad anyone gives him attention. That guy, you know, I, I want him out there, you know, trying to, you know, that's a lost soul who, who got caught up in the machinations of chasing a thing. And when you take out all that shit and you just get down to the ideas and the thoughts, this is a James has a lot of great thoughts and great ideas, and he's crippled by them because of this 20, 20th century cool culture value system that forces us to think along lines and create enemies and uh, suffer for an imposter syndrome that is very unnecessary to suffer from because we're all fucking imposters. Yeah. yeah. No one knows what a human being is and fuck gender. <laughs> you know, like I'm just going to throw that in there too. Why not? Let's just have fun. Let's just... Anybody worried about their gender, great. Uh, tell me what a human being is, and we'll figure out what a fucking woman and a man is right. after that. Yeah, I, you know what? I, the, 
that's not a new question, by the way. Just because we're talking about what is a woman, what is a man. My whole life, they they just put real in front of it. You're not a real man. You're not a real woman. Well, it's the same question. It's like what what is different value what is, system. Different. Value what does it system. take to 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 get your approval of my who being whoever you want me to be? <laughs> what does it take? I don't care. Honestly, honestly. Um, I think I figured that out. Uh, and a lot of my manic, crazy walks, figuring shit out, asking these big questions and having the audacity to believe that I can come up with a simplified answer that, you know, can be constructive towards conversations. I, I, I tried this thing out on that uh, on one of these podcasts uh, where I asked people, um, I asked them, uh, what are your values? And, and I, I started conversations that way, not to find out where you morally stand or if you're a good person, which is how everyone interpreted it, which made me feel very alone in the world because here I am again, what's the point? And it's completely lost on everyone else because the word has so much baggage. When I ask what's your values, I'm just interested in what you care about. And I need to know what you care about to properly understand how to communicate what I care about to you. I should appreciate your value system. When I asked about your guitar, I was interested in your guitar but the way you talked about your guitar told me more about your values because you're like, ah, it's, you know, it's musicians will make fun of me because it's a hundred dollar piece of shit from Sam Ash that never got set up yeah. properly, but it visually does the work and you felt bad and you're trying to negotiate about this thing that aesthetically has a purpose in your it's, shot. It, it's and a I six hundred dollar piece of shit, yeah, by the way. Six, <laughs> that's important to me. <laughs> I used to work at, I worked at Mars Music. I, I get it. I, I totally understand. Uh, uh, but uh, let me uh, let me answer your question. What what I my values uh, and this is I like irresponsibility. This uh, the uh, the uh, the ability to be irresponsible and not to have to live by the freedom to be a child is my, is my core value. It's the thing I value most. It's like having nobody telling me what to do and, and when to do it is the thing I value the most in, in this entire life. And that, that's what I work for. It's what I strive for every day. I just look for those moments where I'm not accountable to anybody, mostly my wife, but some other, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. That's a, that's, that's a straight up that. Okay. No, I love that value system. That's like, um, we would call that man shit back <laughs> in the day. Uh, and it's just human shit. Like anybody can have those. I want to be accountable for myself. That's, I would love to date a woman who thought that way. That would be amazing. Do they exist? I don't, think I don't so. know. <laughs> uh, the ones that are not, attra- they're not attracted to me for sure. And, uh, I can't blame them. That's why yeah. I like them. Uh, the fact is like that value system of wanting to be only accountable to yourself um, while valuable and good, you know it has a limitation to it because you do live in a society and you have to operate within the confines of the public. So it's a thing to say openly with also the caveat of a thing that you also have to negotiate with every day just getting into traffic. Right. So you do both those things from that place. Uh, a lot of people today have a different value system uh, that gets confused with socialism and the baggage of all that nonsense. Uh, and all that is is just more centric on I need more cooperation. I, I can't I, – I, I need more input. I need other people define who I am. They're closer to that level of thinking. And we're caught up in this weird battle where we're thinking one's worse than the other or not applicable because your whole life is centered around you only being accountable for yourself and doing the good fight. I'm just saying that both those things are valuable 
the situations we come up of and we experience teaches us when to use more from the collaborative and we need to actually work together more side and then which side we need to lean from more of the individual has to have the right to be able to have their own sense of accountability and we don't have those conversations because we don't take the time to care about perspectives that are completely opposite or foreign to us because we don't live in that perspective again a reason why we got to ask what the fuck's a human being so that we can address this thing that we don't do very well but seem to pretend like we can but a lot of people spend an awful lot of time thinking about that question but not necessarily in that terms they think more of it in the questions of like a creator or religious all that kind of stuff but really what what you're talking about when you when you come down to that religion stuff and what is God and what you're asking, what does it mean to be a human? I mean, that's what we and what they want to. I don't think it huh? exists. What, I'm not even asking. No, I'm not asking that. All that shit is fucking chemistry to me. It's biology. It's anthropology. All, you can't go to one science and expect the perfect answer because there isn't one whole yeah. answer. That whole Stephen Hawking shit of finding universality is is a waste of fucking time. Everything is in vibration. Everything is in moment. And there is space in between all our cells that you could fit an entire civilization into if you, if you were so inclined. Yeah. So we gotta, there's not one answer. What we need is the situation. Requi- like I look at it like tools. I value every human being. I try to. I don't really. I actually hate people and I'm trying to get over it because I'm hurt. And I don't want to project that onto civilization, but it's also really funny when I do. So <laughs> it, it's a, I put it in entertainment, you know, but like off stage in actuality, I try my best to love everyone because even the worst in us have a perspective that a situation is going to be necessary to draw from that perspective. Now we can't just do that. We're not fucking bacteria. We're not organisms that operate like that. But I find that that value system checks my ego from getting too sure yeah. of myself or getting too ahead of myself or making the mistake of dismissing people that have been dismissed their entire life and feel that dismissal all the fucking time, the way I've always felt. And I, I don't want to ever repeat that for someone else, even though they'll do it to themselves. Yeah. Well, that's, it's, it's a bad, yeah, I agree. Times. And that's what before I made me think about that transformation coach, because at the, at the core of all this stuff, and I know we're getting along here and I'll let you go in just a minute, but at the core, I don't have anywhere to go. This is what my life is, man. This, these questions is what the I The core of this whole idea of all these people going to transformation coaches is they want to transform. Transformation is not about I got some bad habits and I want to change this about myself or this is one, one thing I'd like to work on. Transformation is I want to become somebody else. I think there are too many people who are just not happy with who they were born to be and want to just completely be somebody else transform. And that. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate that that, that talking point has um, gotten in the way of the trans conversations, you know, Uh, because there is an element of mental illness that goes into that. And uh, it's hard for me to talk about it because immediately I feel like I'm being judged by an audience of, Oh, here we Ah, go. go. Straight white male. It's not even my thoughts. It's the bully. It's, this, it's the same reason why I say faggot in my mind all the time. I don't want to say the word faggot. Listen, I am a, I am a, I'm from Texas, okay? But I'm a very progressive Texan in that I feel terrible every time I say the word faggot. And I'm trying desperately to stop, but it's not working. And the more I say it, the more delighted I get saying it because I know I'm not supposed to. It's not a healthy thing, okay? But I have to address that impulse 
to have a proper conversation about like the trans argument in that um, I, in explaining to people that when I talk about trans issues, I try to go from an everyman place in that every person do whatever the fuck you want to do. And um, we should respect you just as a person, even if we find it stupid and weird. Uh, and I'm saying this as a person who has a lot of trans friends and as a debt of gratitude to the trans, because when my father kicked me out of the house and stole my college money so he could start a new family and I was homeless deciding to learn guitar because fuck it, I guess that's what homeless people do. Uh, I almost got raped uh, uh, in downtown San Antonio many times as a lost 18 year old who had no fucking uh, uh, parental guidance or any, I had to teach myself how to be a person. I, I was, I literally grew up in isolation. Uh, I was protected by the trans community. These six foot seven <laughs> built like a fucking defensive linebackers. It's usually that. No, I, I know. <laughs> uh, just dresses, these giant shoulder, broad, strong mother. They mothered me and protected me from vile elements of the community that I can't use as representations of the whole community. So, I have a deep love and appreciation for for the trans community for the for the love and the heart that they've given out and the fact that yeah man we we've said shitty th- it was an easy joke for a long time so them expressing that you know waiting their turn in line they waited after women and then the blacks were like we got fucking next we've been saying this and like we've, we like and we were like all right fine but white women first and then black people black men white women black men then maybe black women. Uh, Mexicans, if they're, you know, Americanized cowboy fans, if they're Dallas cowboy fans, uh, and then gays, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with gays. And then after gays, uh, people who don't know what gender they are, then we'll start dealing with their rights. And we're in that portion of it. I I think pedophiles are behind them. I don't fucking know. Who knows? We'll find out. It'll be a fun bag. Maybe it'll regress into conservatism and then we'll fight against that. It seems to go cyclical and pendulum. Now, I'm is that it's goofy, all of it is stupid, and we should just start with the foundation of what's your perspective, what are your values, and if we can understand that, all those other things can be addressed way better. But there's no money in that conversation because there's no argument, there's no vitriol hatred to be able to emotionally manipulate people into buying shit off of Amazon. <laughs> no, I get it. Amazon. Amazon. It's a fucking pathetic system. I hate people for that reason. It's what a stupid species, yeah. what a, a ridiculous species that can individually understand what I'm saying and go, fuck, yeah, that's how I feel too. A lot of people are doing that right now. Second, there's two, three, four of us, five of us. It just all falls apart because we're just fucking greedy pretentious racist absolutely monks. no i agree with all that the, the one thing i would say though about transformation and, and the trans community i have friends who are trans and even though it might be a guy who wishes he was born as a girl or whatever any of those kind of things there is still parts of themselves they want to keep there's no total transformation this idea that you want to become completely somebody else even if i were a, a trans person who wanted to be a, a woman version of me there'd be still some core like the values that Oh yeah, and all that is open. Like, look, look, like the one. Here's a good. Here's a good reason why we should always have this trans conversation in in the forefront of conversations. Uh, it's a very interesting thing that people, human beings. I, I do notice this, and if I'm wrong, someone correct me. I, I, I'm open for any information. Uh, human beings have this thing where 
we, we can only know a certain amount of people, right? You know, five people. We fucking know five people. We get to 20 people. We don't really know them that well. We start generalizing those people a little bit. We know them a little bit, but we generalize still. And then when we get to strangers on the street, we have the survival instincts. We, we sum them up. At, our minds are going at all times, whether it's a, a monkey state of uh, uh, danger or if someone has trauma and they got the PTSD or their survival mode. For whatever reason, we're making judgments whether we choose to or not because it's in our fucking nature. And our judgments are so superficial. We only think in one or two things. Can this person physically dominate me or can I physically dominate them? Or can they give me anything that I want? Or are they looking for anything that I want? We, and from that, it's male, female, and then Doug or whatever. You know, it's very basic information. To me, the trans conversation adds a third layer to it because it doesn't let you say it's either male or female. It throws a third option or a fourth option or fifth option, meaning you can't just rely on easy generalities and influences. You actually have to engage with your brain to uh, associate with the people that are around you. And the only way to do that is through the exercise of expanding how you attach a question like gender. I'm, I'll be honest. I thought gender and biology was the same shit for an embarrassingly long amount of time. <laughs> I love discovering that, hey, actually, when they mean gender, it doesn't actually mean male or female. It can't, it's an identifier. It doesn't necessarily effeminate qualities or masculine qualities. What There are valuable questions in those things that even the most straight fucking hardline person should be able to con converse and right. talk about. Uh, I, I like feminine things. I like masculine things. I prefer masculine singers uh, and masculine musicians because I think there's an identity thing that's happening there. I think there's this weird projection where I want to do that, uh, that fantasy as a child, so I relate more to that. But when I take the time and really uh, understand a foreign perspective, I can tell you straight up that Fiona Apple probably put out the best album during quarantine. <laughs> It was like a uh, with her and Mila Jovovich. It's like she's banging. Her dogs are there. It's very lo-fi, but musically, the brain behind that putting everything together is fucking incredible. Right. So just a wild and, and interesting, and uh, it, it takes it, it takes my taste out of it and just says I can enjoy something for its own merits for what it's putting out, and I don't have to bring any baggage like like feel the apple because you're a simp or all that shit that comes from the 20th century that I didn't even think of. It was just planted in me by these fucking bullies and right. douchebags. Yeah. It's, it's, so that became trans, yeah. by the way. Most of these motherfuckers <laughs> came out of the closet. They were hiding it so and so angry, and they were calling everyone else a faggot. You were the faggot the whole time. <laughs> now I got to get this fucking voice in my head judging me for every action. I don't want that fucking voice, and... There's nothing I can do about it because I'm a stupid fucking pretentious right. monkey. Well, I find a lot, a lot of the people, the word police, like you, you faggot. Uh, I most of my gay friends love to be called faggots when in in the right. <laughs> no, look, it's, I mean, look, it, you, you definitely look, like I, I get away with a lot because I know how to uh, show. I know how to set it up, and I knew how to come from a correct place. That even when I come from a wrong place. You understand the intention. And I've been very luckily by not oversaturating myself like all the other comedians are desperately, you know, it's a numbers game. To me, it's a quality game. I, if I get, uh, uh, if, if I was attached as the business, if I get seven people interested in what I'm doing and I can uh, engage in conversations 
and that can turn to 20 and 30, 50. And as long as I do my part of not believing in myself from some uh, aesthetic that does no physical place, that, that's just a uh, hierarchy, and, and as long as I stop them from trying to do that to me where they try to pedestal me because they think they're supposed to in these relationships, then I think that can grow to not just a, a, a not just my own creativity or output, but I think uh, if there is an audience there, I'll never have to call them fans. Right. I can call them either friends or, 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 or treat them and respect them on the same wavelength and get rid of the, the whole, I, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too big and maybe I'm uh, trying too hard and maybe Barnum and Bailey were correct. Like when we want to talk about what a human yeah. being is, the guy that knew the best was P.T. Well, Barnum. you know, I have, that's something I struggle with, fans and friends, because I always, when I thank people, I always thank all our fans and friends. There are people who become part of our family, people who come to see us and support us no matter what. And, and no matter what, if I'm doing a solo show, a, a duo show, full band show, they'll come to see me. And they become friends, not, not only just fans, but I get to know them personally, and they become part of our extended family. And then there are people I consider fans, and I struggle with that because everybody you know everybody should be a friend if they're coming and supporting you you should kind of care more about them but i don't you again it comes down to uh are you trying to get uh uh entertainers to follow you or are you trying to get an audience to follow you and unfortunately it's all about who you know now and getting enough people to validate you uh who are also like like a lot of the reason a lot of uh i think it was tim Dillon who said this i i don't I don't listen to them because I don't, I don't want to get influenced because I think we might come from the same place. And also there's only so much I can hear about uh, Epstein before being like, yeah, that's welcome to the world of civilization. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the rich elite are always going to win. What, what are you yelling about? You know, calling it out doesn't make you special. It's you're just calling out a thing that's always going to happen that you're powerless to do right. anything about, which I'm a fan of from that perspective. But you know, uh, he said that hacks support other hacks. And, and, and that is true. There is an element of poserdom that has attached this to where people are interested in um, marketing themselves to subgroups. You saw that with the nerd community. Like a lot of the shit that is going on today that sucks is because a lot of the unfuckables that we talked about earlier that we both love and appreciate, uh, well, everything that they love has been stolen from them by the pretty right. people. Stand up comedy, fucking rock and roll, fucking uh, comic books. Movies, comic book movies, all the shit that no one would fuck them for their obsessions are now completely littered and, and marketed and taken over by entrepreneurial hustlers and brand ambassadors. And then when they show up with these people like, oh, you like fucking Batman too? I can't. Where were you in high school? This is amazing. So many people love Batman. All those people just look down like disgust at this fucking guy. And now all they have left are the fucking mass shootings. That's all they have left. That's all yeah. we give them is mass shootings. <laughs> That's all we got. Wow. That's terrible. That's <laughs> just terrible. Yeah. Well, it gets worse. Just wait till pretty people start doing mass shootings. Because that's next. When they can't get the attention for comedy because they oversaturated that, you're going to find a lot of beautiful mass shooters. <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse is the last ugly mass shooter we're going to have for a <laughs> well, while. Not, uh, you know, two, I don't know. It's two mass. I thought he had to have at least three to be mass. I think he only shot two people. <laughs> <laughs> I still say not enough. I think he, like, I hate that guy. Fuck that guy. Piece of shit. I'm glad he's miserable. He's a dopey doofus. 
you know, for doing what he did. And he deserves all the scorn. But at the same time, you know, you, you could have shot a few more, yeah. you know. I'm not a fan of either yeah. side. No, and anybody who's craving media attention, I, if once, once they start uh, complaining about how they don't have a normal life, you can't crave media attention. Put yourself out in the public. You make yourself public property and want a public life, a uh, uh, private life. I got the best answer. I got the best answer for that. It's my favorite thing. It, it happened in comedy when all the open micers started writing blogs, bitching about no one paying attention to them. And there was a whole cabal of, of, of shitty dudes that were stopping their success. And every time I always wanted to comment, well, why don't you post your video? Let's see what you're working with here if you want to really talk about criticism. And they never would do that. And when they would just build up and build up and they would get into these gimmicks, like uh, I remember when feminism was really being polluted. This is what we're not talking about. Feminism, trans, all these issues that are in the public milieu or whatever, all those things are very interesting and worthy of conversation, but we have it all in the hands of entertainers and, and false prophets. These, these are people not interested in the subjects. They're only interested in themselves and their mythology. Right. So... Of course, it's polluting the subject. We're letting the wrong people uh, control the conversation because they're good at getting our attention. We need to be aware of yeah. this. And when, when those people start complaining about how hard they have it and how bad it is, uh, I just like to remind them. I was like, you know, you think it's awful, you know, doing those things or, or what you're, you're trying to create this horrible life while you're trying to market and uh, uh, sell things that I actually find value in, all right? Uh, why don't you tell your problems and your woes? Why don't you go find a black woman who works for the police department in any city, any city? Go find a black 35-year-old woman with two kids who works for the police department and then explain to her how hard you have it at your hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. And see what kind of reaction she has to how hard you have interacting. Like, I know I've complained a lot about stand-up, and uh, it's fun. I'm not emotionally invested in it. Like, I'm emotionally invested in this conversation. I'm having a great time, and it's really fun to be able to communicate like this. But I take joy in shitting on how awful comedy is around me because it's, it's just fun. And it, it, it should be taken the piss out of, and it's a reaction I'm having to so many people trying to get away with doing phony shit and fake characters. Like, I'm nerd or I'm punk rock. And you're like, you're a fucking poser. Stop using these things. You're just a marketer. You're hiding. And you're using the thing I value, art, to do it. A thing that I'm not saying I'm good at, by the way. I, the only thing I'm saying I'm great at is music. And it, it's a crime that I refuse to put out an album and play it live because I'm the voice of this generation. <laughs> I'm a talent no, I'm just really so great at music. It's a crime that I do comedy. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's a it's just, it's there's fun. a lot of that going both ways on that. Uh, your, what what's your best musical influence? Like, what you mentioned the Beatles a lot, but you don't seem like you you you're from that generation. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, well, this is again with the the outside thing. When I I was locked in my rooms, like uh, they would just feed me on the door while they were doing coke. Uh, and whatnot, uh, or my dad was fucking prostitutes. Uh, I liked old blues music when everybody was getting into grunge. I didn't like grunge. I didn't connect to it. I just thought it was whiny, rich white kids. It's just what it felt to me. And a lot of punk rock was like that. I liked the '70s punk scene. I liked uh, New York Dolls. I liked the 
the the, the showcase of that, uh, the trashiness of, but it's still garage rock at its very heart, just dressed up a little bit different. I'm an old blues guy. I like Tampa Red. I like Lightning Hopkins. I like John Lee Hooker. I like uh, Georgia Tom Dorsey. He was a piano player. I know that uh, uh, Johnny Johnson was a piano player for Chuck Berry, and he should get the credit for inventing rock and roll because that pounding piano beat is really what made it happen. Otherwise, it's just Louis Jordan. Uh, I like funk. Uh, I like black music, yeah, I'll be honest. Like. Uh, I, Led Zeppelin, I thought. I'm, I'm hugely inspired by Led Zeppelin because I appreciate their value system. I appreciate that interesting period of the 60s and 70s where they the song was a single it was a natural business but the value was on the artistic credibility of it so everyone was judging things on both business and the creator they'd say this is creatively amazing it's not going to do shit for business or they say this is creatively good and it's going to do good business because it accomplished both and then those values got distorted and polluted so when you get to something like grunge, all I see is just fucking more rich white kids. Like, oh, you're mixing the fucking pixies with screaming trees, and you're crying about some shit. I just didn't relate to it. I, I don't relate to suburban yeah. kids. I grew up in isolation. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think you know, a, a part of that, you know, when you talk about the innovation and, and pushing the boundaries in music, the problem is it is the whole corporatization of it, and they put guys in suits, businessmen, marketing people in charge of making the artistic decisions, who gets signed and all that stuff. That's when it went bad because in the in the days when Led Zeppelin was signing contracts, it was still hippies in the A and R department, actual musicians and people artists. So, so, so not really. Um, no, no. The, the music business has always been an absolute nightmare. It's always been shitty. It's like let's steal money from. It's the same thing as Spotify. It's, it's Spotify, but back then. It's the same fucking thing. How do we not... How do we? T- there's, the, there's the artist, and then there's the business, and they work together, and then the industry starts forming of all these fucking opportunists who want to find a way to get a big chunk out of that money and control it. Then it becomes a power play because at the end of the day, it's not about entertainment. It's not about storytelling. It's not about anything. People really like power more than anything else. And if they can create their own power structure, be it uh, guitar playing, be it uh, rock and roll, be it uh, Bitcoin. It's just human beings doing what they naturally do. I'm not in power here, but if I create a power structure over here, be it a sports bar or a fiat currency or a digital online currency, I can try to be the king of my own world of perception. It's all fucking yeah. ego. Uh, the music industry used to be a lot of fucking suits who had no fucking idea. They just saw, they just took chances and they see a band, they're like, well, fuck it. We got the wrecking crew. They'll clean it up. They'll do the job right because they're all jazz guys. Uh, but this sounds like, like, what's his name? Clive yeah. Davis? He was this closeted gay man in a suit. He, did, he just knew the aesthetic. And that's what it really comes down to. The Paul McCartney's, the people that know what's good and what's not good, it's really people who are great at creative and the aesthetic. They understand the mindset of where a thing can go, and they understand an aesthetic value. It's something that you can't fucking really lock in on, but I call it genuine. So as long as the music's genuine, I find immense love for it. I connect to it. I fucking love 80s-era Metallica the same way I love 1930s-era uh, uh, Tampa Red uh, or Robert Johnson. 
I, I, uh, that's genuine music. I love George Clinton and Funkadelic. I also love like obscure stuff. If you can tell it's coming from a genuine place, even if the song is not that good, you can feel something from the artist. And that to me is the aesthetic ingredient that people connect to when they, uh, when we define what's great and what's not great. Unfortunately, I'm worried that the 21st century value system of, of appearances, of, of numbers, of content for the sake of content, the shallowness of it and the ego that you manipulate to feel good and important and the psychosis that it starts, I think it's creating bad art, or at least it's letting a wider swath of the public be able to go, well, it's successful, so it's right. good. And, and that argument has always been shit. It's been shit since we pointed out that McDonald's is a shit burger, even if it is a billion served. No one is saying that's gourmet. Yeah, no, I get it. But you need McDonald's to enjoy gourmet. Right. It, you have to have right. all of it. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I can be wrong. I can be wrong. My tastes are just my tastes. I put them out there, and I hope other people connect to them. Uh, and I challenge myself, and I, I try to do things like I edit the special the exact opposite way I think you're supposed to edit specials. And I did it for a reason because I want to see, I don't think that there's all these unspoken rules when we're, we're, we're editing or we're creating music, right? We never actually wrote them down, but there's this weird value system that's inherently there that we never talk about. Uh, a real artist doesn't do this or a real musician doesn't do this or a real comedian does it like this. Well, those are all 20th century value systems. Those things didn't exist in the 1900s. Those things didn't exist in the 1800s. So how do they exist today? And when you look at those value systems, if it's really shitty right now to give you hope, if it feels really bad, well, you know what? It always has been. The late 80s fucking sucked the yeah. same way. We just didn't have this type of media. And these, these things do exist. It's just, it, it, it requires the public to be a little more in control or a little more understanding. And I think we're in this weird bubble of social media where there's all these unspoken rules. I, I call it the first world problem. Do you remember that meme like back in the MySpace days when we would make fun of like basically, you know, middle-class white women for having first world yeah. problems, you know, they'd have a problem about something and then we'd just say, Oh, fucking first world problems to make them feel ashamed for feeling bad right. about something, you know, the thing that's good to do to people is to shame them. I'm sure that'll fix the problem and not create some unreasonable beast that won't let black people take pictures of birds in a park, <laughs> right? So what we don't talk about is third world problems. You know what a third world Hungry. problem is? Where do I eat? What do I eat? Uh, where do I sleep and not get eaten? And will I survive tomorrow? A lot of those people are happy because they know specific problems and they, they have purpose and they do it every day. They don't have a whole bunch of new problems, right? Who has it worse? That guy that has three problems that can get identified and solved every single day with purpose or someone that has a list of first world problems. Let's not talk about one first world problem. How many times a day are you agitated? Do you get fucking bothered? Does something is supposed to work, but it oh. doesn't work. You were sold something. You know what? The, about within 20 seconds of oh, opening my eyes every day, I have that moment. <laughs> every day. And all day you yeah. go through that. At what point do first world problems, you get so many of them, at what point is it a giant fucking problem? Yeah, 
I would rather be a third world person with one big stick that I got to break. I can break that stick. But you can't take a whole bunch of little first world sticks, clump them together. They don't fucking break. They break you. And we won't fucking have that conversation because it's too easy to call people privileged and profit off their shame and create all this anger online for attention points and call that entertainment. What kind of shit species so are we? If I have this correct, you're saying it's better for, for me to worry about a tiger eating me than fret for over... Uh, no, you're saying the opposite. Fret over the coffee machine not working right in the morning. <laughs> I'm saying actually look at all your problems and look at the underlying problem. I think a lot of it usually is ego-based. Yeah. Our egos are encouraged because <clears throat> the more self-important we the more self-important we are, the easier we are to manipulate because we're so self-focused. Our own interests take over, and that person, you can lead anywhere you want them to go if you tell them exactly what they want to hear and have validated. It's a human characteristic, something we got to understand about ourselves that the people in power do understand about right. ourselves. It's up to us. It's now our individual responsibility. That's where people like you come in going, hey, you individually have to understand that we're a collective. Yeah, but I, yeah, I get it. No, um, I think we're we're two hours in. Good, good time to wrap it up. I, you, know, funny, you, you, you could have wrapped it up at any point. I'm, uh, I, 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 uh, when, I'm having well, so much fun. Please come back. Don't, don't, and, you know, now yeah. that you, you're, uh, <laughs> you've warmed up. Yeah, you get get ready to go. Please don't be a stranger. Come back, uh, you know. Yeah. Special. This is the special. <laughs> yeah. This is this is it. This is just anger at everything. And I think it's the thing that upset comics is that I did. I, I made myself the least funny thing in my special. <laughs> And I made fun of myself. And when you're watching me being a giant buffoon, please understand, yes, I do know what I'm doing. I think uh, I believe in sacrificing my own confidence and my own image. I don't have any problems making myself look stupid and silly and weird because I'm a Jack Benny fan. I like all that older shit. I think it's interesting. And I think there's something to learn from that about not taking yourself too seriously and allowing people to see the, 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 the stuff that you're embarrassed about, the stuff you're insecure about, but not in that phony kind of way that you're seeing people talk about depression and stuff like that, where it's just a cover up for the fact that they have no fucking character or personality. So they have to emotionally manipulate your empathy to make you think that they're good at stand up comedy by talking about their sadness. Yeah. I don't do that. I talk about my sadness, but I do it in such a gratuitously stupid, exploitive way that you can't help but enjoy the fact that I am yeah. sad. Yeah, and that's what you make it good. fun. Yeah, Fuck no, me. I get it, and I, I agree with so much of what you said there, and can see myself a lot in that. I am a little uh, scared. I don't have the courage to be totally. Um, it doesn't mean you. You don't need the courage. Think, who the fuck? Who gives a shit? Yeah. Who cares? No one cares about you. Dude, that's no one true. cares. No one that's cares a free, about you. That's a free no thought. That, thank you for that. That that would yeah. definitely that will help me get back up on stage to do stand up at some point. To just know that nobody gives a fuck. Play the monster mash like it's a uh, like Mance Lipscomb. Play it like an old folk song, like an old bluesy folk song. Fucking create, enjoy yourself, and challenge yourself. Like take chances. 
and, and look stupid. I learned this, you know, I am ashamed of this. Uh, I lived in this apartment complex for 10 years in the closet for 300 bucks in Austin. That's how I was able to afford to be there. And uh, I'll be gentrified very soon to homelessness. So we'll see. Uh, my Venmo will be up on my special. If it's good, pay me. If not, don't worry about it. I'm sorry I took your time. But this is what I learned. I watched a guy. There, one of my neighbors, it was this, like, I want to say a 30-year-old, 29-year-old, someone. it was this very athletic kid, very, he was like an accountant, or he played violin or something, or jazz horn. <laughs> and every day in the apartment complex, the area got gentrified, so there was nothing but hipster chicks and giant stupid hats and scarves in the summer wandering around. And every day, he would just put his headphones on and dance in the parking lot of this apartment complex next to all of these businesses. He would just dance. A thing I would never do because I hate attention. I, funny enough to say, I, I hate attention. I'm uncomfortable. I think most people are. That's why they fall apart with this shit. Okay. So this guy understood that about himself and he made it an exercise to put himself in a position to look stupid. So he got out into the street and just danced every day to make it a habit of making taking the piss out of himself to alleviate his anxieties and his self-importance and his ego. And by the disciplined practice, he was able to free of himself of the things that kept him depressed and sad. And it's motivation like that. It's a very simple thing to do. We get our ego is trying to save ourselves from embarrassment, but we are in entertainment. That is embarrassing enough. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's embarrassing to ask for that kind of and need. I need it. I, I don't like that I need it, right. but I need it. So I try to come correct because I understand other people do too. And I try to balance both those things so I'm not a shitty person who, who dismisses other people and I think makes, makes them become less funny. All right? So whatever you got holding you back, it's, you're going to die soon. You're, what, 60 now? Is that what you said? You're in your 60s? <laughs> 64. 64. How, <laughs> yeah, you're still you're still dying. You still got the just for men mustache. All right, I I went gray at yeah. nineteen. I went gray at nineteen, and I dyed it forever because chicks didn't fuck guys with silver hair back then. It wasn't until I actually got it that they started doing it, and now I don't even really want it because who wants to talk to a fucking twenty two year old? I I right? cut the mustache <laughs> right off, except I have this big John Boy, John Boy mole that really bothers me. No, Keith, I fucking love the mustache. You got the major dad thing going you with the NPR glasses. It looks like you know, a graduate mask. Where you stand. <laughs> a little bit. No, I, I, I dig it. I dig it. it, it it's, I could have gone Gallagher. I'm not fucking going there. All right? Yeah. Gallagher appears a cop. Uh, <laughs> here's the truth. Um, uh, whatever you want to do in your life, you're doing the podcast. You're interviewing people. You got to talk to fucking Paul McCartney, a foundation, a, a, a grinding stone of this thing. And, and you probably wasted it by not asking certain specific questions because Paul's slippery. He's not going to fucking open up about the real right. shit, right? So you did it. You did something, right? Do you feel fulfilled or you still feel empty? Um, I, I, I feel like a hoaxer. <laughs> yeah, you feel like a hoaxer. Listen, you weren't supposed to do it. It doesn't matter if you do it or not. No one asked you to do it. You do it because you enjoy the process. This aspect, this conversation where we're talking about the actual machinations of what you do and what you're interested in, this is the way we need to start talking to each other instead of hiding it and feeling guilty so we don't take chances creatively. Right. That's why I made a special that's not funny. <laughs> I saw all the other specials. Listen, I saw all the other comedy specials that they're producing, and none of them are good. They're all bad. 
I'm not going to shit on Hannah Gatsby. Everyone shat on Hannah Gatsby. It's not a comedy special. It's a one-person show. It's not stand-up. That's why I asked. Does stand-up exist? It's a one-person show. I'm not going to comment on a one-person show with stand-up comedy values. However, I will comment on a guy named Drew Michaels who has two HBO specials that are absolute dog shit and an insult to stand-up comedy. And if I was him, I would hang myself by the pleather pants I still have in my closet to make myself still feel cool. The first one he did to an audience, and he called that creative. That's not creative. Stand-up requires an audience. Otherwise, you're just satisfying your ego and trying to protect yourself from the criticism of the live audience. And hide your lack of content with fancy camera angles and stage lighting effects directed by Gerard Carmichael, another guy who put out boring, sad, look-at-me, ego-driven stand-up comedy. Pretty and pretentious, all right? Then he puts out a second one in front of an audience and spends the entire 15 minutes apologizing for being bad at comedy because one time he used to be really funny. He didn't paint it in those lines. He painted it under the guise of, I feel bad for all the negative jokes I had about women. And I feel like, and he made this cry story about how he's a better person towards women now. And the whole time I'm watching it, studying it, because I don't like it, I have to watch it to have a fair view of what this thing is. I can't just wildly come on the Mind Dog TV <laughs> podcast and shit on this thing if I don't intimately understand it and force and suffered it. He spent 10 minutes basically trying to cover up the fact that now I think he's a rapist. Anyone who spends 10 minutes of their time explaining how they're not a rapist is absolutely a rapist in in, in my experiences. Either way, it wasn't funny. It's not stand-up. It's just serving the ego. And unfortunately, because he has those credits, no one will challenge him on that and go, dude, I remember when you were funny in Chicago. I remember when you came up with that 9-11 cartoon that was very very wrong and super hilarious and a lot of people appreciate it that you would apologize for now because you think that's in the way of your success. That's not success to me. That's a fucking poser who's uh, playing lip service to an industry that's fucking everyone else. You're a fucking scab and it's pathetic and it's leading to him falling into depression and the ego instead of just saying, get over yourself. What's the point? Why is it funny? Why do you give a shit? Why should I give a shit? If you can answer those questions and take your ego out of it, you might produce some incredible art, a thing this guy can fucking do. Because I've seen Drew Michaels. I don't even know this place. Drew Michael or Drew Michaels. It's like the George Michael fucking wham problem. George Michael or George Michaels. I don't fucking know. All I do know is that uh, 10 years ago at Doug Stanhope's Super Bowl party, I'm shrooming my ass off. Uh, I created this idea for a fake comedy club in my head, put it to use. It's been going for 10 years now. And I saw a Drew Michaels clip from the Montrose Comedy Festival in uh, Switzerland or one of those fucking really white chocolate yeah. countries. He did a festival there. It was a 10, 11 minute bit perfectly on time and our values in time that was relevant, that spoke to me. To me, it was fucking art. It was, but it was also connected on very basic level. He accomplished something in 11 minutes that to me, it's a crime the past two specials he's done, running away from that. And unfortunately, that might be why he is successful. And unfortunately, him doing that and other people seeing that you don't actually have to be funny, you just have to be self-important to succeed at doing this is creating an economy of dipshits who are going to be kept in their place 
because there's no actual audience growth there because they're all just promoting to each other and calling that an industry while the platforms make the money off their content and attention. Wow, there was some absolute gold in all that. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is going to be the part about the uh, guy who's out there dancing just to to kind of... uh, That's what the special is. It's just me taking the piss out of myself and going, you know what? Uh, if, if they're not going to release a funny comedy special, then I guess I don't have to. And if you want to see the funny shit, then I guess it's probably important that you go out and see the live show, the only thing I get paid to do. And that's the question every artist needs to have with themselves. If we're going to put out all this content, at what point is that our money? If that's our money and we're not getting it, then it's probably important to use your creativity to release content designed for that so that you have the energy to put it in the live show because that's the only way people will pay to see you. And if you put the live show exclusively and saturate your content with everything they can see live, then you're just giving away all the, you're giving away all your money. You're giving away all your power, doing all these podcasts and giving away all your talking points uh, to try and garner an audience. What's going to happen if you get thousands of people following with you and they already heard every half-assed idea you have to say. So now when you craft it, there's no reason to pay to see it. It doesn't create good art and it keeps people in a bad place. And then when they get to their thirties and forties, they fucking, or they go to sanitariums or they think secession is talking to them through fucking the yeah. TV. We haven't done a very good job of uh, promoting you, especially today. I will say it is I funny. It, no, ma- no, ma- no matter what you say, I think it was very funny and I think people should watch it. That's who they need to hear it from. If they hear it from me, I'm just the salesman. I'm not going to do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't sell guitars that way. I don't sell fucking okay. comedy that way. I don't know if people are going to like this. I like these things. It's ridiculous. I warned enough people if you're interested in that. I think I've done my job. If you say it's good and people trust you and understand your sensibilities, you know how to frame it in a way that they should watch it. Otherwise, I think they're going to look at it and go, this guy lost his mind the way a lot of people right. have lately. This so the only, only way people, people are going to find it is to find you on Twitter at White Cotton uh, on on Twitter. You can it's, it'll be on YouTube. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. It's just um, over the course of two years, I did an experiment. I used to be very online. I would write long things and challenge myself and do all that stuff. But what I noticed is that all my energy went towards that. I didn't have the energy to go up on stage anymore and, and do it there. So my stage started getting a little bit less. So to correct that in 2019, uh, in 2020, I decided I need to limit that need that I have to express myself. I got to stop doing it on social media because it's affecting the way I do it live and it's making me not express myself very well. And in doing that, it's it did two things. One, I lost a lot of friendships because when you don't uh, check your Facebook Messenger all the fucking time, people think you actually think are uh, right. better than them. They just project all this weird insecurity at you. Like, no, I, I'm almost homeless. I'm very poor. I've gone to four funerals and life is not good. I don't want to bring that to anybody else. I should probably handle my right. shit and live my life. Because it's not going well. Like the social media thing, if you're not doing it, it's evolved to beyond a cool statement to a statement of he thinks they're better than you or they're crazy or they're falling apart as opposed to, no, I'm just doing the work. Yeah. And it's got to be good before I put it out there or else people are going to stop paying attention to what I do. Or I'm going to attract an audience that's only interested in quick, pithy observations on which celebrity died that day, which is fun to do, 
but that's not the totality of uh, who I am. And if I spend a lot of time on that, it, it really does affect everything else. You can't, you can't actually do everything. The thing that they pretend that you can do when they got their problems, you know, they get on Twitter and they're all crying about uh, one week it's this problem and the next week it's another problem. And the next week it's another. It seems like all they have is problems and very rarely do they actually right. solve anything, yeah. right? And so when you bring that up, the first thing they say is, well, people can care about more than one thing at a time. And I always want to ask is, have you met a person? <laughs> have you ever met a human being ever in your know. life? No one does that. <laughs> no one does. They only care about one thing that's fleeting in the moment, and then they move on to the next because most of us are basically ineffectual losers who are on this little rock vibrating through the cosmos on a speck of that. We, we, we're very irrelevant. So whether my comedy special is good or not, I just want you entertained, and I hate all the other people involved in it in this hokey thing and i'm using this as my bat signal the people that understand what i'm coming from and talking about this if they find it because i'm going to try and get it on trauma because i think that uh audience will totally get what the special is the trauma uh, that did toxic avenger and a lot of that b movies uh, i'm trying to bring that element to stand up because if it's going to be bad anyways then let's just do bad comedy here you go it's have, let's be creative right. and fun with it. Well, I'm going to change the link that's in the description because the, you, you gave me the preview. Uh, you, you pulled that down. You pulled that down from where it was. So I'll just link to your YouTube channel and they can find it there because it will be on YouTube eventually. Uh, yeah, you know, it's good. I'm, I'm probably, I, after I get off the phone with you, I'm going to go and fix the audio, to, uh, take it to my sound guy, uh, who's uh, he, he's a professional sound engineer, so I'm relying on his expertise over my uh, inability to do anything. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people have helped me out with that. Uh, his name is Josh Del Barrio. He goes by Nerd Rock Josh. He used to be a guitar tech uh, for Lollapalooza. Uh, Jess Castro, he helped me immensely. He's recorded everything I've done, and he's a brilliant sketch performer. And uh, I got to utilize him. And, and most importantly, I got to I gotta show some love to my buddy Chuck Robinson, who plays Human Dave, the traffic slave. Uh, I won't give you the context, uh, it's not good, but uh, yes, that's a real airplane, and yeah, we we flew an improviser and uh, almost died. He was very afraid to fly, and they almost crashed and died uh, for an eight-second joke that is going to look really ridiculous when you see how cheap everything else is made. And I did it for no money for the hopes that some people will then mow me something so that I could pay some rent. All that's right. all. Well. That's we'll we just keep pushing, and hopefully, people will support you. And and listen, it's been great. It's been great talking to you. And I I have taken some gems away from this conversation. I I'm gonna probably uh, think a lot about what you had to say tonight. Please do come back, uh, and and not to do this in the future. Man, you will never see me again. <laughs> I, I would I would love to. Come back. I appreciate. Uh, uh, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for talking to a lot of the people in the community that a lot of people don't talk to. By the way, I did notice yeah. that. Uh, I like that you're, because uh, uh, some of these people, like I'm framing it in a real way, but a lot of them actually need these things too, because everything gets kind of lost in the things. They need to talk about these things. But I, I think you're in a position where if you get them really opening up a little bit, if we start talking to each other a little more honestly about the things we're afraid of and the things we're insecure about, well, what's going to happen is our natural humor is going to own those things. We're gonna control it, and we're gonna we're gonna control them, other than them control us. Okay, but we can't do it unless we're we're willing to stop being fucking faggots 
and cowards about this and actually fucking just have those conversations and stop trying to profit off someone saying a cliche or a talking point that's not even their talking point. They just feel like they have to have that talking point because they're all playing these roles in these comment sections. Like it's everyone ascribes themselves to a role. You have the super reasonable guy. You have the super unreasonable guy. You have the guy who thinks he's above it all making jokes. Like everyone forms into these weird archetypes and it's just stupid. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And I I will, I definitely would love to uh, uh, further this conversation about that kind of stuff. And, and maybe, uh, maybe we'll get, get, through to some people that would be pretty cool but uh hey if at the end of the day if my only fan uh, uh, is a person i call a friend named becky on twitter becky? Oh, oh she's your, she's your biggest fan forever yeah uh she's she she loves comedy and i appreciate the interest that she shows in mine and uh i, I always want to be supportive of her and people like that because um you know i, I know her life sucks Be- becky i'm sorry your life sucks it's it's it bums me out and I love being bummed out because I know that we're not the only ones and you can always bum me out. I want you to never be afraid of that. I know what you're fighting, the health things. And uh, the fact that through all the health things and her own journey, uh, trying to get through life and understand things, um, I'm more fascinated in that. And the fact that she just loves every comedian that will made her laugh right. once. And she puts her entire enthusiasm and just supports it naturally. The way only a Florida person can really give themselves to anything. Well, actually, she's um, a, a Long Island person who went moved to Florida. She was actually from here. She moved to Florida. Yeah, yeah, from Florida. Yeah. Here, here's here's the thing: it's, she it's was a, born. She was born state. about a mile away from Tim Dillon. <laughs> yeah. No shit. That's about as long as the yeah. island. Yeah. <laughs> her and Ben uh, The reason I'm saying that is because it, it's. Um, you know, we, so many people are posturing, trying to feel like they're above their own comedy right. fans, as opposed to like, wait, 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 no, I see. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate I know what's going on in your life. I can't do that for everyone because I'm not even doing it for myself. And quite often when I when I am thinking about your problems, it's because I'm trying to avoid mine. Yeah. Uh, so to kind of correct that, you know, I, I, I show appreciation. Here's the thing. All I can do is truth. And no one loves that. They, they only want the show. P.T. Barnum is correct, and I'm doing things the wrong yeah. way. And I think that's a great way to yeah. end a podcast. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's probably going to be But check, check back here for tomorrow for the right link to the, the uh, special. And uh, happy Halloween. <laughs> hey, brother. Happy Diwali, yeah. man. <laughs> Diwali, yeah. I just learned about that last week. Diwali, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely keep in touch and do come back pretty soon. Uh, I want to I want to talk to you again. <laughs> All right, bye. Thanks, bro. Have a good night. Bye. Jay Waycotton, folks. A uh, lot of lot of gems there. I just say this about the ego thing, and then I'll sign up really quickly. I was in the grocery store today, uh, and as I I was on assignment for my wife to look for a, a product that she wanted me to get for her, and I couldn't find it. And somebody said to me, uh, somebody who I know saw me, and they said, man, you're a total space cadet. You're like, I'm right here. You don't even notice me. You're in your own own little world. And my response was, you think I didn't acknowledge you because I didn't notice you? I didn't acknowledge you is because I don't care about you. All I care about is this mission I'm on for my wife. I don't hate to be rude or hate to be no filter, but you talk about ego, caught up in my own ego, caught up in my own world, not caring about 
a friend who just wanted some acknowledgement. Um, a lot of what he said hit hit me in the heart there, and, and good stuff, and stuff I appreciate, good stuff to think about. Hope you agree. Write to me at info at minddogtv.com. Let me know what you think. Share the stuff. Tell people about it. And check out Jay's special. It comes out tomorrow night, I think. Think. Uh, till that, till tomorrow uh, morning, 8 a.m. Coffee with the dog. Uh, I don't have a guest all this week, no guest, but uh, it should be a fun time anyway. Chad, tune in, um, keep me company, and I'll see you then. Bye for now.